Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for week number two, episode number two of our first ever guest host month. And if you love Billy Garcia with the Karate Kid last week, then you've already heard the tease of who we have on this week as we talk about There's Something About Mary, the 1998 comedy blockbuster, real blockbuster, one of the biggest comedies ever made at the time, still today still. Uh, Cameron Diaz, Matt Dillon, Ben Stiller, Fairly Brothers. I mean, nobody cared at the time, but everybody cares now. It's the all-star lineup of comedy. And uh, we have one of the biggest fans of There's Something About Mary here to discuss it with us. Somebody you're probably familiar with from uh, past appearances on the show and uh, past appearances and future appearances and present-day appearances on another show, which I'm sure he'll mention on here. Uh, He will introduce himself in a second. Uh, before we get into it, let me just say, my name is Colin, and 7-Eleven, Seven Doors, Seven Man, that's the number. Seven chipmunks twirl on a branch, eating lots of sunflowers on my uncle's ranch. Seven's the key number. <laughs> Hi, everyone. It's Matt Dyson here. It's great to be on the Oz Network. But before we get started, does anyone have change for a dollar? All I got is these damn Nepalese coins. <laughs> Should never have bought the place. <laughs> Oh, Colin, mate, it's great to be on the show. We've never done it. We've never done the Oz Network together. Normally, it's I me and Ben if I get if I get a call up. Yeah, and you know it's funny because uh, I think I hadn't even seen Australian Survivor, and uh, it was like a couple years ago where Ben mentioned it's like, yeah, there's this guy on Australian Survivor who wants to do an episode on Rambo, and he's like, would you do it with him? I'm like, yeah, sure. And sadly, the day I was going to see Rambo, our oldest son had a a, a breakout attempt from his daycare. <laughs> And uh, it caused me to not see Rambo for a couple months. And then since then, you know, we've talked about having you on for other episodes, but we're finally here and uh, maybe more to come. But there's something about Mary. This is the one we got to start on. And uh, I guess we'll kind of just go through a brief history here at the movie. Now, for me, uh, I was mentioning Matt off air. You know, I I saw this movie when it first came out. I loved it when it first came out. I thought it was hilarious. I remember picking it up on video. Um, But it's weird because I didn't watch this for years. And, The reasons seem so stupid now. This movie was so huge for anybody who wasn't around in 98. Like there was nothing compared to this movie. Like no comedies at the time ever were as big as this. And I think it was one of these things where it was so much in pop culture and you would constantly see all the biggest scenes from this, the hair gel, the the dog, and everybody would be talking about it that I almost just got tired of hearing about the movie for a while because it was so popular and then as years pass, I just sort of, I, I would kind of avoid it. It's like, oh, that movie's over it. And part of it was actually because I think the Fairly Brothers movies that came after this were unfairly criticized. And I was a big fan of Me, Myself and Irene and Stuck on You particularly. So for so many years, even after this came out, 
I would just sort of be like, oh, there's something about Mary. No, I think that's overrated. You know, stuck on you, the, me, myself, and Irene, I always try to talk up those. And then a couple of years ago, this was on TV and my wife suggested watching it. And I'm like, Man, why did I sleep on this movie for so many years? Like I've wasted all this time for a movie I loved to suddenly being sick of it just because I heard about it. And since then, I can't get enough of this movie. I mean, it is an absolute masterpiece of comedy. Oh, it's an absolute classic. And for me, it, it, it's, it came at a perfect time in my life. So when this came out in 98, I was in grade 10. I was a 15-year-old boy. And, and this was my experience with the movie. It's, I, it's the only time I've ever seen any movie like this. I saw this movie three times at the cinemas in three days. <laughs> I saw it the first, yeah. I, I saw it like on a Friday night. It was with my family. The Saturday night, it was, we went out with some friends and saw it with a couple of mates. So even though I'd already seen it the night before. And then I don't know if they have this in Canada, but... Um, when there's like public holidays and stuff, they do movie marathons. It starts at like midnight and there's normally like four movies back to back oh, and they no. just run them. And, and like a lot of the uh, teenagers go to them, you know, like people in year 10, 11, 12 go to them. And, um, yeah, and it's basically just you stay up all night in the cinema and you, you watch four movies. And, of course, something about Mary was, was one of those four movies I saw. So I'd, I'd literally seen this movie at the cinemas three times in three days. So um, I don't think too many people would have done that. But look, it's an absolute classic. And what I love about it, yeah, it, it, so many things a, a teenage boy can relate to it. But then even now, you know, in my late 30s, you know, you watch it now and it's, it's just as funny and just as yeah. relatable. And I think that's, you said a masterpiece. I think that's what makes it such a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And I think the strangest thing is this movie holds up so well. And whenever I see old comedies, I expect to be like, Ooh, that doesn't age well. That doesn't age well. And there are things in this movie that you would think don't age well, but when we get to it, I'm really interested to talk about it. The Fairley brothers, I'm not going to say ahead of their time. I feel like they were just, they were just sensitive enough to know, you know what, we can push these buttons, but we're not going to make fun of these things. And that's the thing that I think is so good about this movie. It is a feel-good movie. And the the people that do get made fun of in this movie, they're not being made fun of. They're, they're being made fun with, you know? Mm. And uh, also just the cast as well. I mean, I, you know, Cameron Diaz obviously had been in The Mask, but this is four years removed from that and nobody had really seen her or anything. I, I can't remember if um, uh, My Best Friend's Wedding was just before mm. this or just after, maybe right around the same time. Yeah, but my best friend's wedding was in 97. But like, like I was a Jim Carrey fan, so I had seen her in The Mask. But really, like, to be honest, I look at these actors, especially the main actors, you know, Ben Stiller, Cameron Diaz, Matt Dillon. Like, to me, this was my first, real first look at these actors, you mm -hmm. know, that obviously have all gone on to, to, to do many great movies. But um, but yeah, Cameron Diaz, the, the only time I'd ever obviously seen her was, was The Mask. Um, ben Stiller, what he'd been in... Uh, reality bites that he he directed and and mm. the cable guy he had obviously a, a role in there which he directed as well and and just by taking notes of this like I'm learning all this stuff I had no idea that Ben Stiller had directed all these movies prior mm -hmm. to 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 um doing obviously something about Mary which is which is um you know I think quite interesting as well considering how big of an actor he's become and yeah Matt Dillon can, can I just say Matt Dillon too like the the one thing I love about this movie it's not just one actor that makes it they cast the perfect even the minor roles yeah. like the minor roles are the perfect actors which which makes it that much better and matt dillon i mean if you're looking if you're looking for a guy and, and matt dillon he'd been acting since 1979 and and i like so he, he had a pretty long career prior to this not not any big movies or, or not big movies that i didn't know about but uh you know, all of a sudden in 98, he's, he does this, followed up by wild things which is a movie that i've seen <laughs> multiple times as well um 
So yeah, so even Matt Dillon was obviously hitting his prime at the time. So I think that's the thing. Yeah, you get all these actors that were kind of no names, but they're just in their prime and just make it so much better. Mm-hmm. And some of them you wouldn't expect in comedies as well. Like again, Cameron Diaz, she had done comedies, but nothing like quite this outlandish. Like in The Mask, yeah, that's outlandish, but she was playing a much more straight character in that. Matt Dillon, barely any comedy at all in his resume, and yet he seems like he's born for it. Uh, even the, the Fairley brothers uh, alone, I mean, they had done Dumb and Dumber, which was a huge mm-hmm. hit. They followed up with Kingpin, which bombed. And for years, like, I would always tell people, like, oh, yeah, Kingpin, you got when they talk about some of Marriott, again, kind of thing of, no, let me talk up the underrated ones. I'm like, no, you got to check out Kingpin. And people don't even realize that's a Fairley brothers movie. But it, it, again, so funny. Like, these guys, they were the perfect comedy directors for the 90s. They're so different from everybody else, doing a style comedy nobody had done before but they hadn't quite hit it outside of Dumb and Dumber. And then this movie just explodes. And the reason we have the Fairly Brothers today is arguably because of this movie and not Dumb and Dumber. Look, I, I've got a confession to make. And, and you know this, Colin, like I'm a big King, Kingpin fan. And we actually, when we discussed what movie we were going to do, it was, that, it was either this or King, Kingpin. And mm-hmm. uh, obviously this got the nod. But uh, another confession, like I actually, I wasn't familiar. Obviously I knew the Farrelly Brothers had done a lot of movies, but once I started doing a bit of research with something about me I didn't realize half of these movies they actually did like I guess I'm one of those guys that don't really look too much into who's directing it I just look you know who's, who's acting it is it funny you know mm-hmm. um but you know when, when I look down the list obviously yeah Dumb and Dumber I mean Dumb and Dumber I've probably seen more than this movie you know and yeah. I've seen this movie a, a, a ton of times you know Kingpin seen it heaps um me myself and Irene obviously one of the absolute all-time classics and it goes on Heartbreak Kid Dumb and Dumber 2 the green book what I, now I haven't seen the green book but when I, I actually googled this to see if it was a mistake when I was uh-huh. like I was like Pete, Pete, Peter had directed it by himself I'm like no sure like this must be a mistake so I don't know it, it seems like a random movie within the list of all the movies they've done or, yeah. or Peter's done yeah like you're gonna go from uh Hall Pass and the Three Stooges <laughs> Dumb and Dumber 2 and then let me win the Academy Award for Best Picture oh. with Green Book uh, I, I have no idea how that came about too, but when we did Green Book a couple of years ago, it's like, yeah, one of the Fairley brothers directed this movie. Um, but it's a, it's a decent movie. It's definitely not, if you're a Fairley brothers fan, it's not what you want to you know get into. I like that you said though, that, um, uh, that you, you kind of did a double take, like, oh, this has to be a mistake. Cause I always remember uh, the, the movie Garfield, uh, that Bill Murray did the voice in. Bill Murray has a famous story where uh, he said that he, um, he signed on to the movie because one of the Cohen brothers had written it or the Cohen brothers had written it because I think it was a Joel or Ethan Cohen is one of the screenwriters, but spelt the name differently. So he thought he was going to be doing a Garfield movie written by the Cohen brothers who did Fargo and no country for old men. And you know, all those other movies. And instead he's, he's like, no, it was a complete mistake. I thought it was a Cohen brothers movie and it wasn't. <laughs> so I can imagine all the people signing on for green book, this Oscar winning movie. It must've been the exact opposite with them. Like a fairly brother is directing this movie. No, no, no. I'm not doing a mo- movie on racial tensions in the sixties directed by the guys who did there's something about Mary. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's actually a movie I haven't seen yet. I've, I've been so close to watching green book so many times. And for whatever reason, I just, end up watching something else or don't get into what so yeah it was just funny when i wrote the list i was like and, and another thing i picked up on obviously that won the academy award in 2018 but they did another movie that um that peter directed um it got a razzie award for the worst movie of that year which is movie 43 in 2013 <laughs> so he really turned it around in, the, in those five years. 
And, you know, movie 43 is on the list, I believe, for bad movie month next year. Ben's insisted several years in a row to do that. I've never seen it. But yeah, that, that, that's like uh, when Halle Berry won the Academy Award for Monsters Ball and then the, the Razzie for Catwoman back to back. Unprecedented back to back wins there. Um, oh, not now. Are you another? Oh, you got. I was going to say, I, I don't know if you're familiar, but I had never picked up on this because, you know, maybe the names meant nothing to me the last time I saw this. But the other two screeners of the movie, Ed Dechter and John Strauss, most people aren't going to be excited about uh, the things they've done. But uh, a childhood favorite TV show of mine, uh, they were two of the top writers on Boy Meets World and two other movies we've covered on here, The Santa Claus 2 and 3. Now, odd choices to get excited about, but I mean, they worked with Tim Allen. Uh, I think the other thing I always forget about the Fairly Brothers, because they're always known as Fairly Brothers movies, is that they rarely do the movies just by themselves. Like in the case mm-hmm. of Kingpin, it wasn't even their script. With Dumb and Dumber, with uh, I think Stuck on You might be the only movie. Uh, it was either Stuck on You or Hall Pass. One of those mm-hmm. was the only movie that they wrote exclusively, but they always work mm-hmm. with other people as well. So here we have the combined talents of the men who brought you Dumb and Dumber and the Santa Claus sequels, which... Uh, <laughs> I think it's just kind of fun. <laughs> I remember with Kingpin, they, they when that came out, they actually advertised it, you know, from the guys that brought you Dumb and Dumber. Mm-hmm. But I, and that, that was like, I didn't actually realize straight away that this was, like I said, I, I don't really follow directors and all that. So so when you're like, oh, we're, you know, oh, great, we're doing a Farrelly Brothers movie. I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, that is too. You know, and, then, and then obviously do the list. And, and I'm looking, I'm literally looking at the list and like Heartbreak Kids, one of my, yeah, Hall Pass. These are movies that I've watched multiple times. Had no idea that, a, that, that you know, the same directors as, as this movie, but uh, yeah, no, it's um, another thing too that that fascinated me. It's just just looking about. I, I love looking at seeing what other movies were coming out at that same time, you know, and, and especially other comedies. And, and one thing, you know, it's this was the fourth highest grossing movie worldwide. So mm-hmm. I mean, for a comedy with actors that people didn't really know, like when I was going to watch this movie, this wouldn't have been because, oh, Ben Stiller's in it or Cameron yeah. Diaz is in it. Like this was just because obviously it looked good when they did the advertising for it. All right, let's go. It's a good comedy. And you know, it ends up making 369 million on a, on a 23 million budget. Like if that's, that's a blockbuster, you know, that's mm-hmm. unbelievable. When you look at Armageddon, it, it killed it as far as 553 million, but I mean, that had a budget of 140 million. Yeah. And you know Bruce Willis and Michael Bay, you know yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. Saving Private Ryan, like Tom oh, Hanks, yeah. at, you know, at his best. I mean, at, at that point, Tom Hanks, it didn't matter what movie he was in, it was going to be a blockbuster. You know, that made four hundred eighty-two million. Godzilla three seventy-nine. But this is in fourth place with actors that no one really knew. What Cameron mm-hmm. Diaz in the Mask? You know, Ben Stiller had done a couple of things. Um, but you know, but, but and another thing too that fascinated me, it didn't actually win any major awards. Yeah, I think there were some nominations, which we'll get to later, but there was a lot of talk, though, at the time. I think that was one of the things that really, um, I'm not going to say surprised me because I saw the movie and thought this is fantastic, but surprised that comedies don't usually get that recognition. Uh, Around Oscar time, there there were people who were saying, yeah, you know, Matt Dillon and Cameron Diaz deserve nominations. Uh, And there were some minor ones out there, but, you know, comedies never get nominated. And I think there's been the rare instance where they do but uh, this like critical acclaim, it was just through the roof. One thing I'm curious on uh, is the, the rating for this. Now, every once in a while we talk about what these are rated. This movie is obviously R-rated in America. Um, you know, we were both teenagers when we saw it, saw it the theaters. Uh, here in Canada, we had a, or I guess every province is different. We had a thing that was called uh, 14A. So you had to be at least 14 to get into the movie. 
Uh, so there was no problem for me to see this. But uh, uh, in Australia, do you remember what the rating was for this? Could anybody go? Or are they just it, not it's care? Cert- <laughs> it's, it's, it certainly wouldn't have been uh, rated. But like, this is another thing. I mean, I'm a big action guy. So like, you know, Van Damme, Arnie, Stallone. I've seen a lot of movies in my time, especially in my teenage years. I mean, I had more of a social life clearly when I was 15 and I do now at, at 38. I mean, I'm going to the movies three days in a row, you know, now on a Saturday night, I'm sitting there doing a podcast, but you know, <laughs> but um, I don't like, I don't ever recall, like no one ever checked, but like, no one ever cared about what you're right. Unless it was a, a mm. like basic instinct, you know, like, yeah, because you know, you, you're definitely, that was the only movie I could ever remember that you, we couldn't watch. Yeah. It was basic instinct. Like other than that, it, I think it was free, free, free reign. You know, yeah. fair game. Yeah. Well, with the the R rating, I think it affects it more. I don't know if they're you know, more stringent and checking people in America, but that that's a death sentence too. If you have an R rated movie, hey, your box office is going to be very limited. And this movie for a comedy, which comedies you know will make money, but they're not known to make Armageddon type money. Money, and then for it to be an R-rated comedy to be one of the highest-grossing films of the year, hundreds of millions of dollars, completely unheard of. I mean, ninety-eight alone is interesting because you mentioned Saving Private Ryan was the movie that outgrossed everything, and that also was R-rated. But uh, similar to you, uh, something about Mary was not R-rated here, but Saving Private Ryan was. They had two releases. And uh, I just remember this, that uh, the first time we, my brother and I went to go see Saving Private Ryan, uh, it was R-rated and we were both teenagers and you know, we just walked right in. <laughs> they didn't care at all. Now, for the second time they released it, they actually released it. They had bumped it down to that 14A rating or whatever. So it was easy enough for us to go into that one. But uh, yeah, R-rating is not easy uh, in America. I guess much easier outside of uh, outside of America to get in. It, I can tell you right now, this, there's no way this was R-rated. So this would have been like a, I'm guessing like an MA or something like that, which is, mm. you know, probably 15 or 16 need parental guidance. But, um, you know, like I said, I, I saw this at, well, I mean, they're playing it in the movie Marathon, which was for teenage kids. So there's no way yeah. it was, you know, it was the whole cinema was, was filled with kids, you know, 15 or 16. So, um, yeah, so I don't know. Obviously they rate things differently in Canada or America, but yeah, there's no way it's R-rated here. I'm so jealous you have those marathon things too, because I've never actually had one of those or even heard of them here uh, with um, drive-in movie theaters. They do that. There's one drive-in movie theater that's still open here. And uh, it's like an hour and a half drive away from Winnipeg. So we've only gone a handful of times. Actually, I think we've only went twice. They'll run a marathon of like three movies all through the night. Uh, the first time we went, we had saw like Batman versus Superman, Suicide Squad, and something else. The second time we tried to go, they had a uh, Baby Driver, and I can't remember what the other things were. And there were all these audio problems, so we drove an hour and a half out of town to go do that to stay up all night. Had the kids taken care of and everything, and then the movie just stopped playing. And they said, "Uh, so you can get a refund if you want, but we're gonna play it with the picture all messed up. And if you want to stay, you can." And we're like, "No, we're going home. We didn't drive an hour and a half to, to see this, and we haven't been back since." But if they had that here, like I, I would go all the time. I'd go by myself. I wouldn't care. My wife falls asleep at nine o'clock at night. It brought back actually memories. There's only one movie that I've ever sat in at the cinema where it literally, the power just went off. I was watching uh, a Van Damme movie, Legionnaire. And I was there, I still remember it clearly. I was there with a mate and we're watching it. Probably, I, don't, I imagine Legionnaire must've been around about the same time as this, probably late nineties. And uh, halfway through the movie, the movie just cuts off, stops. And then it was, and I remember then after that, I think it was it was no longer showing, and because it was only like a real limited run, mm-hmm. and um, and I had to wait like years to to watch the rest of the movie, to watch the rest <laughs> of the movie. Oh, jeez. Yeah, again, 
stories have nothing to do with the something about Mary, but might as well tell them anyways. This is more good <laughs> memories. Um, they did uh, this thing in the Cineplex, the main movie theater chain here in Canada, where they started airing like kids movies on Saturday and Sunday mornings at like 10 a.m. And you'd only pay $2 to get in. And they had the Muppet movie. And uh, my wife and I decided to take my nephews to it. And the movie kept cutting up. Like the, the, it wasn't even a digital. Like they got an actual film projection of this from the 70s that was so degraded that it kept stopping 10 minutes in the movie and then they restarted three times and eventually they said sorry we're canceling the movie for today you can get your refund uh, but their refund was they would give you a free movie pass now the free movie pass was worth it to go see something in imax if you wanted <laughs> so we got it for us and then three or four of our nephews six free movie passes for something we paid eight bucks for <laughs> so we cleaned up that i don't know if they did the math on this but i guess they made it right with the customer but uh, good experiences of taking advantage of movie theaters and oh okay i gotta tell this i wasn't gonna tell this story but i gotta tell go for it, it. So when you when you're 15 you don't have a lot of money right mm. and i like to go out like to, we go out with mates we watch the movies and stuff so how i told you about i watched this movie three times in three days so the first time obviously was with my family so so the second day we had this little scheme we were 15 basically we'd go in uh there might be four of us we'd buy four tickets, go in, and then three of us all, like, then would come out, one would come out, refund their ticket, go back in with the pass, and that's how, basically how we were able to watch. Because, and so in the end, you there was only one ticket bought, yeah. and this was before the days, I don't know how it is over there, but this was days before, like, you had seated, like, numbers for each seat oh, yeah. and stuff. It was basically, you just sit anywhere. So, so you'd go out with two tickets, you'd refund one, walk back in, and then, then your next friend would go out, and, and this is how we do it. And I still remember even with the movie Marathon, they used to give you a little band around your arm. So, and it was like, I think it was like 25 bucks for this movie Marathon. Not much, but when, when you're 15 and you're not working, you're at school, you know, yeah. and you're trying to get money off your parents and you're like, hey, you've already seen this movie twice. You know, um, you, you've got to do what you've got to do. So I remember what we'd do, we'd get in, we'd, like, we'd get a couple of mates, we'd, we'd like, real carefully fold back, you know, the, the, the wristband go back, refund it, come in with someone else's wristband. But the only problem with that in a movie marathon, it means, because obviously you had to give the wristband, the original wristband back to whoever you know was paying, mm-hmm. um, you couldn't leave. So you literally had to spend the whole night like in the movie, you know, oh, but wow. it, was a, it was a free night. So, I mean, that's yeah. my experience with, with scamming cinemas and <laughs> something about Mary is basically I saw it three times. I think I le- legitimately paid for it or well, my mum paid for it once. Uh, I, now I feel like such the polite Canadian because uh, my experience at the one time I saw this when it first came out was uh, I was so excited I had earned some extra money. So it was like the first time in a long time where I'm like, I've got money to see the movie and buy a drink. So here I am paying extra money and you're scamming well, the theater. Well, uh, and that's why I'm, look, I'm looking at the, 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 the gross worldwide. High, you know, it probably would have been a few extra bucks if I actually didn't refund a <laughs> yeah, couple exactly. of those tickets. So it would have got a little bit more credit maybe. Well, not just that. I mean, how many other kids are doing the exact same thing here? I mean, oh. this could have outgrossed Armageddon and St. Private Ryan and not been for all of you hooligans down there <laughs> obviously us australian teenage uh, teenagers are, yeah i don't know if things ch- things have probably changed now but they you had to do what you had to do and, and we love watching movies and you know that's what we did and we got to see it well let's jump into the movie here uh now like most comedies forgive us if half of this is just going to be laughing at all the one-liners and everything but i mean you can't help it with this uh but the movie is pretty unique in that it actually starts with a flashback scene that, that runs for a good chunk of the movie too. Uh, now I wanted to be critical on, Oh, 
you know, the actors are going to look so old playing teenagers. But like, honestly, most of these actors, they weren't, it doesn't look that bad. I mean, it's the eighties. So I guess everybody kind of looked older than they were. Um, <sighs> but uh, Ben Stiller is kind of the, the first one introduced here. Oh, we should also say we have the singers here, the, the, the band and the singers who appear multiple times throughout the movie narrating through song just uh, in the background. And Ben Stiller, a high school kid, uh, I think he says 16 years old here. And um, it, we have him trying to invite a girl to the prom. Uh, <laughs> this is just, this is what, forget about the rest of the movie. If you want to know why Ben Stiller is brilliant, because a lot of people now will look at some of his more recent movies and be like, oh, you know, he's annoying or whatever. Ben Stiller is in his prime when he's just being awkward, like awkward all yeah. around. And that is what he does in this movie. And just the way he invites this girl to prom where he's like, hey, what's up? And she just sort of goes, eh, like groans at him. And he goes, cool. It's <laughs> just not paying attention to her at all. Um, and then when he invites her to the prom and then she doesn't respond at all, she's just staring at him and he just abruptly changes. So did you take that bio test? <laughs> then she answers like, no, sorry, I'm going basically going with some other guy. Uh, so if, you know, maybe as you go, oh, okay, so, so, so will you go with me? And she goes, I just told you if everything else falls apart, if you're basically, if you're last guy on earth, then I'll go. So it's a maybe. Uh, <laughs> I love how she goes, I thought I just made it clear. She goes, yeah. Yeah, if, everything else, if everything else falls apart, I'll think, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. maybe. You, you think she's going to go with it. If everything else falls apart, then yes, she goes. And if everything else falls apart, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Oh, but that's after she just said, yeah, yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Oh, yeah. You know, this, is, this is what I love about this movie. Like this is every teenage guy's worst nightmare. Like, mm -hmm. so- I was in year 10. So I don't know, you got, I'm, I'm assuming like the prom and all that. We, we have what we call a formal in Australia. It's, it's the mm. formal year 12 formal and same, basically the same thing, you know, guys ask a girl to go to the formal with them, but I mean, it's a scary thing. Like, you know, especially if, you know, it's all right if you've got a girlfriend or whatever, but like, if you're like in this situation that, that Ted's in like, mm -hmm. and you, you've got to ask a girl and he's clearly nervous. And, and, and this is something like I could relate to even because I was a couple of years off doing this but it's something that a guy thinks about well i know i did you know a couple of years out year 10 like oh geez the formal you know and i had older brothers they'd all you know gone to the formal and all that and it's, it's a big deal you know you, you you ask a girl and you hope that you don't get rejected and so this is something like straight off the bat and can i just say whoever that female actress it's the only time she's in this movie she played the, and this is what i said to you before about every actor in this movie played their role perfect perfectly oh, yeah. This chick has a, a the most minor role, but it sets up this movie better than anything. Like, yeah, here's this chick. This, you know, Ted's asking, you know, Ben Stiller's asking this chick to a form uh, to, to the prom, and and the response she gives him it just sets it up that hey, this this Ted is an awkward guy. You know, he's not the most popular guy in school clearly, and here's this this chick that he's just asked to the prom, and and she's basically just leaving him hanging to see you know what happens, and mm -hmm. obviously that leads into him to him meeting Mary. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that's clever about this movie is it, it's unexpected at times. I mean, it, you, everybody had seen the promotion. They know this is supposed to be a love story. This guy who's kind of obsessed with the girl. But when it starts off and he's saying, I was 16 year old and I was in love and he's not going up to Cameron Diaz at the beginning here. <laughs> like this movie is not starting with him being in love with her. It's a completely different girl, which that alone is kind of a nice little surprise to start the movie with. And I can't remember, like, it, uh, it looked like they're on school grounds or like just outside mm -hmm. of school grounds. But I mean, she, I'm assuming she's 16 as well. And mm -hmm. she's just sitting back, smoking back a cigarette. Is that, is that the standard in America? Like 16, <laughs> you're in, you're in school, just, just sucking down a durry. Uh, 
Well, is this uh, 13 years prior? So this would have been, what, the mid-80s? I mean, nobody cared. They were snorting coke on school grounds <laughs> in 85, I think. <laughs> I just can't recall. I can't ever remember anyone asking, you know, me going asking them to the, to the formal and they're just sitting in school grounds sucking back a cigarette. I just, I didn't have that experience. <laughs> I, I didn't have experiences about formals and proms either. So <laughs> I was a little bit lower than Ted, I think. <laughs> Um, oh, but after he's rejected by her, that's when Mary's introduced. Uh, so um, Mary is there with her brother, uh, who I, I can't wait. To, one of the other stars of this movie, Warren. Uh, mm. Now, uh, let me just quickly talk about Warren here uh, before we get into everything. He's basically going around searching for a baseball. Uh, some people may nowadays be offended by this because he's playing a mentally you know challenged teenage boy or whatever uh and we're kind of in the era now where it's like oh you have to cast somebody who is uh, whatever you have i have a son who's not mentally challenged the same way i mean he's autistic it's actually completely different because you know he may come across a little bit weird like this but he's a complete genius i mean he taught himself to read and all that uh, but there's certain things with this character. Where I'm like, yeah, that's authentic. And I'm not offended by this. They're not making fun. The thing with the ears, my son, like, you don't want to go near his ears. He will freak out on you. He's probably not going to punch you and tackle you and, you know, kick you in the gonads. But he, he's going to, you know, have a reaction. And there's authentic things about Warren here where I'm like, I, I don't find this offensive. And I, I probably should find it offensive. I feel like uh, the fact is Warren, the character, the Fairly Brothers based this on a real person a real person who's in this movie as well. So the real Warren, I don't even know what, what character he played or what cameo he has, but this guy uh, that he's named after and based on has been in me- multiple Fairly Brothers movies. So, I mean, they presented this character with like the deepest affection. And I think that's why Warren works as a character. Even if there are moments where you feel like, are they making fun of him? They're not making fun of him. And I think what made it work is like, I think when you watch it, especially early on, like the first couple of times you watch it, you're not actually sure like he, he's that good at acting it. Mm-hmm. Like you're not sure. Like, I thought, is yeah. This, yeah. I thought is this, this a genuine? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think that's what is total credit to, to the, to the actor that plays Warren is yeah. You actually, you, the whole movie, you don't, you don't think, oh, this is just, you know, a guy playing, you know, a mentally, uh, you know, challenged mm-hmm. person. Like you actually think, oh, this could be, you know, this could be the, the, the real deal. So, um, and, and you're right. Look, t- times change, but I, I think you nailed it at the start. Like this movie, although some movies we know like do not hold hold up well, like mm-hmm. absolutely not. But you know, obviously, I didn't just watch this again yesterday. And at no stage did I like did I think, oh, geez, oh, you can't say that now, yeah. or you can't do this. So, and I think that's an absolute credit. And obviously, no one knows when they're directing a movie what something twenty five years later or whatever is going to be like. But I honestly had no problem with this movie in in any of the mm-hmm. the whole movie that, that there's an issue. So. Um, but yeah, look, it's an interesting one because it's—I guess it's always a risk too when, when you, with a big movie like this, a comedy, and you've got such a diverse sort of different range of type of characters and stuff. Obviously, you've got, you know, Ben Stiller playing playing this this geeky sort of guy that you know, and especially when you've got to go back and, and they're playing someone at sixteen and they're clearly what? How how old would Ben Stiller have been in his thirties? Probably my age yeah. now. Who knows? But I mean, they took a lot of risks with this movie, but it all paid off the whole mm-hmm. way through. Yeah. Yeah. And with Cameron Diaz too, I mean, I'm not going to say anything against Cameron Diaz, but I mean, I I doubt that she is like the perfect woman, but somehow they present her in a way here where (laughs) when you get to the end of the movie, you're like, I'd be one of those guys. (laughs) (laughs) 
not even my type and I'm in love with her. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but like, she's so genuine and so sincere, but she's still funny at the same time. And even just the way she's introduced here, like, you know, kind of looking after Warren, but she's, she's sort of jumping. His, I mean, the, the whole thing, let's say what the thing is with Warren here. He's going around looking for his baseball and uh, one guy decides to play a joke on him and says, oh yeah, that girl over there, you see her? Yeah, she has your baseball, but she has another name for it. And just kind of whispers what it is. And so Warren goes up and goes to the girl and says, have you seen my wiener? Uh, now, again, I'm sure many people have played this prank before, uh, but they're like, excuse me? With the boyfriend, it's like, have you seen my wiener? And then this guy starts freaking out on Warren, the boyfriend, uh, which again, you kind of see from his point of view too. I mean, if I was this guy, I wouldn't care. Maybe if, if you knew who Warren was, but not everybody here is going to know Warren. And basically Ted and Mary come to break up this fight uh, and through that, uh, Warren's, I guess, sort of indebted to, uh, Ted and Mary is thankful. And that's where he's asking for the piggyback, which the, the beginning <laughs> of the piggybacks is going to be great. But, uh, as they're walking home, uh, we get, uh, the Warren and Ted Bonnie. I really love Warren and Ted together. Like, again, the chemistry is not just the main stars. It's the chemistry with everybody. And the guy who's going to make, um, Ted, piggyback his his dresser it, it's got great chemistry with ben stiller uh but this piggyback thing ride where where he, ted's like oh no it's okay i'll do it and he sort of rides on warren and then afterwards it, my he's, turn. A real, it, it, he's a real clydesdale yeah he's, he's a real clydesdale <laughs> that's a great line and then when warren's in my turn and he jumps on you just hear this crack and again it's it's ben stiller being awkward without going over the top and responding he's awkward but he's like trying so hard not to sell the fact that he just cracked something in his back and he's being spanked by this kid who's two times his size. It's just fantastic. Um, Mary's going to basically invite him to the prom, which is the big surprise here. And Ted, again, completely awkward. And Ben Stiller's so brilliant. Seller, this is, oh, you, you want like a designated, designated driver or something? <laughs> and no, she's legitimate. She's asking him. So, I mean, it, it's just, it's such a nice introduction it takes no time at all. I buy these two as a couple and you shouldn't because they're polar opposites. Absolutely. And the one thing here, one line that I absolutely love is when, when obviously Ted comes in and saves Warren or tries to help Warren out. And, and then obviously Mary comes in um, at the end, uh, Mary actually says, Oh, thanks Ted. You know? Mm -hmm. And then, then he has like a bit of a, you know, he narrates, you know, in his head and he's like, Oh, you know, she knows my name. She's like, yeah. some of my best friends don't even know my name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which we're going to see those best friends too. <laughs> but it, it, it just, it's a one liner, but it sets it up perfectly. So you already know, okay, Mary knows who, who he is, mm -hmm. you know, but it also shows Ted is like Ted's, he's at the bottom of the barrel. Like he's, oh, yeah. he's hanging out with blokes that don't even know, like basically <laughs> friends don't even know who he is. He's just hanging out with them. So yeah, just little lines like that. It just sets it up, you know, perfectly. Like you said, this opening scene. And I, I like to, when he's given in the piggyback and then obviously it, it's Ted's turn to give Warren a piggyback. <laughs> And he's like, oh, no, no, no. And he's like, all right, it's okay. He's, he's 230 pounds or something. And after, after he's got, and then obviously the next scene, like they get home and he jumps off. He goes, oh, 230, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Pat on the back. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, I love what you said about the, the friends not knowing his name. Because, yeah, I completely forgot about that line. But, like, that's important because the very next scene, we're going to see these friends who are not <laughs> believing him when he's like, you're not going to the prom with Mary. And then they're basically betting money on it and everything. Um, he's, like, he's like, he's like, from that moment on, guys at school looked at me in a whole new yeah. light. And the next scene is like, you're a fucking liar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the new light. <laughs> 
they capture high school so well here. Oh. It's funny we're actually doing this next to the Karate Kid because it's reinforcing the point that Billy made last week about all teenagers are pricks. <laughs> Let's just say it. <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> They'll grow out of it, but this is the way it is. <laughs> oh, um, and, 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 and even just here, we, we obviously we see that that scene where he's he's telling his, his nerdy friends um, about obviously his interaction with Mary, and and then he, they 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 bring in here about Woogie too. They they get Woogie. Oh in yeah. And this is our first introduction about Woogie, and they're like, oh. You know, wasn't she with some some jock guy, you know, named Woogie? And it's like, oh no. And it says something like, oh, you know, Woogie, Woogie got all weird on her. So this mm-hmm. is that first introduction of, okay, who, who's this Woogie guy? Obviously, some ex boyfriend or, or some bloke. But of course, at this stage, we don't know who it is. Yeah. And he's going to be introduced again. Like, I, that's one of the things until you take notes, like you mentioned, there's a lot of things you don't pick up on. Hmm. And it was only as I was taking notes, I'm like, there's another mention of Woogie. There's another mention it's sort of just done in passing and probably when you're just watching this casually, you don't notice it, but there's so much great setup in this movie and the payoff does surprise you when you get to the end, which is, uh, you know, that's kind of the whole appeal of this movie is how well it ends here. Uh, now the problem, I mean, this is, (laughs) I would love to say that this is just the movie. Like I said, Oh, it's just the hair gel. It's just the dog. It's just the prompt. But when you start adding all those things up, I mean, it's not just that, that is the entire movie. Like every scene of this movie Everybody knows it. Uh, this is, I think, though, what sold the movie. More than anything else, more than the hair gel, this yeah. is what sold the movie for people. And crazy that there's going to be a true story involved in here, which I'm sure you've read the trivia on as well. Um, uh, or have you? I don't know. Am I going to be able to surprise you? No, I, I'm looking forward to this, but I have okay. no idea. All right. So prom night, Ted shows up. He's got his nice tux on there. And uh, uh, real it's, quick, it's, ta- it's, it's tan and taupe tan and taupe which he feels the need to <laughs> mention <laughs> he's like the guy said it was tan and taupe yeah well that's the, that's that's also the, the little things in the dialogue that actually make it funnier because there's two things in the scene that i actually found you know what any other writers or directors would have written this and they would have gone too far but it's the subtlety that part where he goes, the guy said it was tan and taupe so he's too dumb to even know it himself yeah. <laughs> this is and, what the, guy and the said. funny thing is I end up bloody Googling. I'm like, what actually is, obviously I know it's tan, but what's taupe? So I'm last night I'm here Googling tan and taupe. Mm-hmm. And the second part, just when he goes to the door and you hear the, the, when the dad answers to the oh. stepdad, uh, this joke could have been played so much heavier. And I think the majority of comedies would have had it where he's like, oh, sorry, I'm at the wrong door. But it is so much funnier that you get a black guy answering the door and all Ted does is just awkwardly (laughs) look at the number like, am I at the right house? (laughs) That is so much funnier than what anybody else would have done. It's the subtlety that works here. It's one of the funniest parts of the whole movie. And all he's doing is just doing a double take. Okay, this is actually probably the my favorite part of the movie. This, 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 okay, Ch- Charlie, who, play, who plays Mary's stepdad, uh, the actor's Keith David. Mm-hmm. Can I just say, like, I mentioned, I mentioned a thousand times already. They, they picked the right actors for the job. This guy, oh my god, like this to me is just sets up the whole experience that 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 obviously Ted is about to have, you know, and obviously he's going to haunt him for the next you know 15, thirteen years or whatever. Um, but yeah, you're right. Just that start. He knocks on the door. He's all he's in. He's in his fancy bloody that suit, the tan and taupe suit. And just that that subtle look. Obviously, too, because obviously he's not expecting a black guy to, yeah. to, to answer to answer the door. You know what? It's funny you mentioned Keith David there, and I thought I had recognized him, and it wasn't until you mentioned the name. I'm like, wait, I know that name from something. Uh, Keith David 
was in another movie in 1998 called Armageddon. So let's call it now the number one box office draw of 1998 was Keith David. Like, Call it, Easily, let's, let's more than Tom it. Hanks. Okay, this is now Keith David month. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, but this is the brilliance of the of the you know the Farrelly brothers or whoever ended up casting these people because yeah, you know, he's only got a small part, and and, mm-hmm. and 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 obviously we're going to talk more about him of this of what happens in this scene. But he he, did, he sets it up perfectly. This is a, a sixteen year old boy walking in. He's just met this you know beautiful. Girly, he's obviously already nervous about going to the prom. He, he's batting above his average, you know. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he's he's about to have the, the night of his life, you know. Go to this prom with one of the I'm guessing the most popular girl in school, and he walks in, and this this guy's breaking his balls. Like Charlie is breaking his he's busting his balls right from the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a shotgun, Dad. I don't know. Is that a term <laughs> over there? <laughs> Well, no, now, oh, yeah. now I'm curious. Are you going to be this guy? Because I've got three boys. I mean, I, I could be a shotgun dad, I guess. My brother has twins as well. He also has an older and a younger. So he's got four girls. And he's, like, guaranteed he's going to be a shotgun dad four times yeah. over. Like, is are you going to be Keith David in another 15 years? Well, it, it, it's funny because, yeah, obviously there's that famous scene in Bad Boys, you know, when, when the young fella comes up, yeah. knocks on the door, and he's, he's taking the, the, uh, the, daughter, uh, the daughter out, Martin Lawrence's daughter out on a date. And, of course, you know, Will Smith. And, and my wife and I, we're both police. So we, we've often laughed about that. You know, obviously, I've got two young daughters now. So, you know, when they end up being teenagers and, and boys are knocking on the door, you know, we've often laughed, are we going to be like that, you know? So, yeah. But this guy, like this 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 Charlie, this Keith David, like this is, this is classic because – he plays it so serious and then can just turn in like back into the whole comedic thing straight. And I love how the, the wife, the mother, like she's in on it kind of too. Yeah. You know, she's, she, she, she. <laughs> well, and the mother, I'd recognize her from something else too. And I look up and um, I don't know if, if this was a thing over there. It was a little, I mean, I was alive during this time, but it was more like your parents show a TV show called night court. Marky post. She was one of the main stars on night court. Was that ever, did it ever make its way over there? no never it could have but i i certainly haven't heard of it it was um i guess one of the big sitcoms of the 80s early 90s uh kind of a clever premise of a show it's just a court like when people are arrested in the middle of the night you're talking about like you know prostitutes or whatever uh drug dealers they take them immediately to a court that just runs from like midnight till 6 a.m and they have the public defenders there and she played one of the public defenders so you get like all the worst cases but it was complete comedy uh, but I'm like, I recognize her from something. What is it? But uh, yeah, I mean, both of them are fantastic in this. And this is where we get the next mention of Woogie here. This is where he's like, Mary, Mary left with Woogie 10 minutes ago. And th- you get that Ben Stiller to Woogie? Oh, okay. And again, okay. And just walks away. <laughs> and I, like, I like when he comes in and Mary's walking down down the, the stairs. Obviously, she's in a, a prom dress looking looking fantastic. And and then she says, oh, daddy, you busting his chops again. He's like, he looks over and gets, oh, it's just right. I'm just fucking with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this is another thing, thing. Another thing too, obviously, when he gets out of the car, walking up to the door, you see he's actually tossing the baseball, which is obviously the, mm-hmm. the baseball thing. He's, he's so proud. He's got this baseball. He's got it signed or whatever by some, by some obviously professional baseball player. And he's all, he's all you know, he's all proud of this. And, and, and obviously that leads to what happens where he's, <laughs> yeah, it, it, the father's, basically fucking with him you know fucking with his head and then and then and then he he, he has his baseball and of course this is where he walks over to warren with the baseball and, and, he, and he goes to touch his ears and this is where you know it yeah. obviously all breaks out but um and, and i guess that's where we we learn what you know what warren has 
there's something that Warren doesn't like. You know, obviously mm-hmm. he likes Ted and everything, but there's that one thing that obviously goes out through the whole movie that he doesn't like people doing, and that's the, the touching. But this, this, this is a scene I think I love, this, this, this Charlie, Keith David. This is where I think he's at his best because when all that happens, obviously Warren gets up, he starts, you know, he picks him up, uh, picks Ted up, he's he's twirling him around, he, <laughs> you know, he does the, he basically like a helicopter twirls him around, he dumps mm-hmm. him on the floor, they're all jumping in trying to get it, and all of a sudden the baseballs, like, he's like, I'm just, the, the father's like, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing? And then, and then of course, like Ben Stiller's all worked up and he starts raising his voice and just, you know, Keith David, you yelling at me in my house? Do, yeah, do I exactly. have to open up a can of whoop ass on? <laughs> Do I have to open up a can of whoop ass on? <laughs> and of course, then Ben Stills, oh, he's a 16 year old boy. He's like, he t- turns it down. He's like, what baseball? Because there's a, there's a baseball around here. Yeah. But this is the, this is the scene. It's, to me, it's almost one of the scenes of the, the, the scenes of the whole movie. Then, of course, then um, Mary and the mother go up because he's got to, she, they've got to fix the dress. And, and, and Charlie, the, the stepdad, he walks over to, to console um, Warren and he looks back. He looks back. <laughs> he looks back at Teddy. He's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Yeah, like this is a guy that was one minute just busting his chops, you know, playing drugs, and just that look on his face, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, this baseball thing is one of my favorite things in the movie too. Oh. Uh, well, because a again, you you so feel for Ben Stiller, but like you feel for him and you want to laugh, you know. And it's it's just how defeated Ben Stiller looks with humor. Uh, the the way that he was saying, like, I brought a baseball. I swear, there's a baseball. It's, I, it, it's somewhere here. <laughs> He's just frantic. What baseball? I don't see no is. What baseball? I don't see no baseball. There's a baseball around it. Everything just gets a... worse and worse from. And, and then also to mention through all this, you have Warren right after he starts calming down, saying he broke the table. I'm blaming it on Ted. <laughs> it, the and, one thing too I like about it is it's not the only part in the movie that 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 Ben Stiller gets called a son of a bitch too. We'll talk about that later. But I just I do laugh about that. And <laughs> I, you know, obviously this Charlie, the stepdad, play he plays such a small role. But this scene, like obviously then. And, and then of course when he when he when he, he he goes to clean himself up and goes into the bathroom, I love when he's looking at himself in the mirror, Ted, and he's like, "Oh, I'll open a can of whoop ass on you." You, know, <laughs> yeah. he, you can talk tough out of the room, yeah. <laughs> now, um, did you ever watch Saturday Night Live growing up? No, I, I like I see, it, maybe it wasn't that, big in Australia because Ben's the I, same way. See, no, I, to be honest, I don't, I, I don't know whether they showed it here or they showed it really late at night. So, like, on Saturdays, we had a show called Hey Hey X Saturday, and it was like a variety show. Um, you know, they'll do games, get bands in, sort of stuff like that. And, and that was, I mean, back then, that's what we watched every Saturday night as a, as a kid. You know, you'd watch Saturday, um, uh, Hey Hey X Saturday, sorry, Hey Hey, the show was called. Um, but that was something that was a staple for years in Australia. But yeah, Saturday Night like live it's it's not it's not until i got older i'm like what's what's this saturday night live that all these americans and stuff go on about and of course i know what it is now but i I never saw it growing up no well um one of the trivia things i read here is a chris farley uh was originally approached to play the role of warren now i don't know if that's true or not uh but it would fit uh, either if it was just a fan coming up with a theory with this scene because there's a probably the most famous sketch that chris farley ever did on saturday night live he played a character named matt foley that was a motivational speaker, like the world's worst motivational speaker. And they, it was a running thing. Like every couple months, they bring back a Matt Foley skin. It was always like teenagers have done something wrong. Uh, they found drugs or uh, they were, 
you know, breaking into a car or something, or they stayed out too late. And the parents be like, now we're going to bring in a guy named Matt Foley, who's a motivational speaker. And he'd come in and Chris Farley would be hiking his pants up. And he's like, just the world's worst motivational speaker, loud, obnoxious. And it would always result in him picking up one of the kids trying to play with them and tackling them through a table. So this scene played out exactly like Chris Farley's most famous sketch. So I could see Chris Farley playing this, but I also feel like if Chris Farley had done this, it would have been, well, that's Chris Farley. It, it wouldn't have had that same, you know, uh, affection with it. Like I mentioned. Oh, absolutely. I can't agree with you 100%. I think it would have ruined it. Like I'm a big mm-hmm. Chris Farley fan, but I think it actually, I think he probably would have played it too over the top, mm-hmm. you know, and it didn't need to be. I think, you know, the, the actor that played Warren played it perfectly because it, it, you know, it didn't need to be played over the top. Like, this, you know, this is believable. This, when I'm watching Warren do the, play this role, I'm thinking, okay, that's a believable thing. Like, you know, someone touches his ears. Obviously, he doesn't like that. He's he's wearing the, the muffs for a reason on his head mm-hmm. because, you know, obviously he's got an issue. And this would be a genuine reaction that he would have, you yeah. know, where obviously, yeah, Chris Farley, people knew who Chris Farley was. I think and in, in just knowing the type of roles he plays, it would have been over the top and probably would have mm-hmm. taken, because at the end of the day, let, let's be honest, this is only setting up one of the most famous scenes yeah. in the movie. This isn't the actual main scene. This is just setting it up to why then he goes into the bathroom, which is of course, then what happens is, you know, with the whole zipper thing, this is just setting it up. And I think Warren just, just plays it perfectly. Now, this is the main event, the, the zipper <laughs> scene. So, um, Everybody probably knows this, but if you don't, basically Ben Stiller's in there. He's looking at some birds out the window. You even have the why do birds <laughs> suddenly <laughs> appear? And then is, the is, bird- is this a standard? Th- is this a standard? I don't know what type of house it was, but like I've never oh, seen a house where you, you're 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 basically in the toilet, and then there's a a, a a gap in the middle with a couple of birds and a tree, and then next second, all of a sudden, yeah. there's a bedroom on the other side. It yeah, I, make, I, I it actually doesn't work, make sense. Yeah, I yeah. keep trying to work out like how this works. I mean, basically, they would have to have a courtyard in the middle yes. of their house, <laughs> which I've never seen before, at least not a residential property. But no, but I guess for the movie, they had to find a way to make it work. Uh, because the whole point is that when the birds fly away, that he's looking out the window, Mary's right across the way in her bra, helping her dress get fixed. And of course, the mom and Mary both see him. And they start freaking out. Now he's all there. No, no, no. I wasn't looking at you. And he zips himself up too quickly. And he gets the Franken beans caught in the zipper. So, uh, so many things that are brilliant about this, uh, which I'll get to. But first, I just want to say, this is the, the, the kind of fun trivia. This is a true story. The Fairley brothers experienced, they saw this happen. Not Probably didn't visually see it, but it was at their house. And uh, their sister, I think it was their sister had some friends over and one of the the guys had gone to the bathroom and was just in there for a very long time. So they're trying to check on him and he's doing the exact same thing that that Ted's doing this as they're like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. I'll I'll just be a few minutes. Uh, (laughs) Which by the way is is, is very similar to the scene in Dumb and Dumber where uh, Jeff Daniels- yeah, I'm just shaving. Shaving. <laughs> yeah, the Fairley brothers. I'm thinking if this was based on a true story, they probably had sort of yes. let's let's do a variation of this in Dumb and Dumber, which oh, is great. They're, they're milking it for sure. They're yeah, exactly. Because it's it's classic, you know. Yeah, and and in real life, the Fairley brothers' dad had gone in to check on this boy, and I guess only everybody found out after the fact that he had gotten himself stuck in his zipper. <laughs> so this is physically possible. The Fairley brothers say it is, and we know they wouldn't lie. Um, it is such a painful thought. Now, this is what you said, guys, teenage boys. Whoever oh. There's tons of times my wife will like, we've never, I've never done this before. Uh, but 
my wife's always asking like, is it really as painful down there as guys say? I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Hey, you know what? If, if I'm, uh, I don't know if I'm pulling my keys out of my pocket and the keys sort of flap down against it, like I could be doubled over for 10 minutes. Like it's that painful. So every guy will watch this and weep, but, but it's funny enough that you're, you're, you're crying and laughing at the same time. <laughs> and then the fact that they, they wait to the, do the reveal. Like when, when oh. the dad goes in there, and you finally see the reveal of it. The visual of it is so disgusting, but hilarious at the same time. Yeah, that, that's definitely the payoff. But the lead up, and, and obviously yeah. there's a lead up to it, and, and you're waiting to see it. You're waiting to see it. But even before, obviously he's been in the toilet. They say I think about a half an hour, and, and this is what I love. They're all standing back, obviously outside the toilet, and they're like, and, and then the mother's like, you know, Charlie, go in, go, go in and see him. He, he doesn't want to go in. The stepdad <laughs> yeah. does not want to go in, and he's like, all right, go in. And I'll, this, <laughs> This is what this guy's brewing. Like, get him on every move. Get let's let's do a month of him. I'm telling you, get yeah. Oz Network. Do a month of, of Keith Pack. He walks in, and the first thing he says, to, <laughs> the first thing he says to him is like, "All right, what's the situation? You shit yourself or something?" <laughs> <laughs> because let's be honest. I mean, that's the probably thing you're thinking. If if if, yeah. if you know, if I've got a guest over, and all of a sudden they're not coming out of the talk for 30 minutes, you think, "Oh, geez, like something's happened here. They they've shat themselves, and they're trying to clean themselves, or the toilet's blocked." You're not thinking that they've just got their they're frank and beans caught in a zipper so <laughs> i love how he just, he just casually walks in and of course at that stage we don't know we don't know really well i guess we kind of know something's happened because you know he, he made that yelling noise when he did it but i love that but obviously then and then we get all then we get the policeman come in the firefighter and, and the, the mother and, and, and the mother she, she's she's spraying the antibacterial <laughs> the antibacterial spray. <laughs> well and when he brings her in too like first of all Let's let's mention maybe one of the funniest parts of this entire movie. Again, just a throwaway line most people wouldn't notice. When Keith David finally gets a glimpse of it, he just screams, "Oh my God! In heaven, save him!" <laughs> and then he brings the mother in and says, "Don't worry, she's a dental hygienist." Yeah, Is that relevant. <laughs> well, like he, he's trying to work out what he's dealing with. He's like, is that is that the Frank or the Beans? Yeah, and, and, and he's like, "You're Warren outside, Frank and Beans." <laughs> no, no, I think that's how, isn't he saying, oh, he's masturbating. He's yeah, masturbating. yeah, he says that he's masturbating. <laughs> I think they think, I think at one stage, they think he might be masturbating in the toilet. Yeah. yeah. And then, oh, but yeah. And, and, and then obviously, yeah, the copper comes in and they're like, oh, there's been reports of a, of a girl uh, squealing. And, and then the, the father's <laughs> like, him. yeah, you're looking, you're looking at him. <laughs> and then when they ask like, oh, what is that? What's that bubble there? It's like, well, the, the Frank got c- caught above the beans or no, the other way. The beans got cut up above the Frank. Uh, but yeah, oh. you just have one person coming after the other. Like the, you mentioned, so much of this is the buildup. It's they held off on the big shocking moments. So you're feeling his pain, and then you just get the awkwardness, and then you get the slow reveal. Okay, let's have the dad in there. Let's just let's just make this as painful as possible for this kid. Now let's have the mom come in. Now let's just have an officer appear in the window. Now yeah. let's have a firefighter walk in there. Like it's just one after the other after the other. And then after all that, I mean, they've shown you the guys ball sack caught in his zipper they've shown you everybody spraying it with the antibacterial spray and all that and then they don't show you the review they just get that reveal okay well, we're gonna pull it unzip it on one two and then they just cut you we got a bleeder <laughs> <laughs> like yeah i love how it cuts it. he goes a one and yeah. a two and uh <laughs> we got a bleeder but and you're right that is where that is where um in that time where, where warren's yelling out frank and bean frank and i yeah. love how he, he keeps doing it because 
yeah. obviously this guy he's so impressionable to so anything he hears mm-hmm. he, he repeats he does it throughout the movie but you, it's just the way they do it too it's always just in the background you're kind of just hearing it as, <laughs> yeah. as the rest of the scene's going on and even then like you said obviously the next scene it, it, they're stretching him out they're stretching Ted out and 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 that's yeah <laughs> and and that's where that's where like you, you got to listen closely you, you hear Warren yell out yeah he's yelling out he was master yeah. <laughs> yeah he was master and he says it about four times the whole way and then, this is something I've never picked up on before if you listen closely you hear someone yell out I don't know who it is it, it's a random or whatever he, he someone yells out this this never happened to Woogie yeah I caught that too again you take notes and you're just every time they hear Woogie you pick up on it yeah I never heard that I've never noticed that before but yeah mm-hmm. I actually rewound it a couple of times like I've never I heard that he's like yeah this wouldn't have happened to woogie mm-hmm. oh, i mean that's a whole opening section of the movie which again it's it's a good chunk of the movie here um so after this they're going to flash forward to the present day or anything else you want to add on the opening of the movie we haven't covered uh no look honestly and, and you're right but when they when they get these actors in these movies where they they've obviously got to play a teenage version of themselves like we've seen plenty of movies that they don't do it right they go you know it, it, it's not believable all that but Obviously, with with Ted's character, you know they they made it over the top. You know that the hair, the braces, and all that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it just works. Like yeah. it just you, you literally watch that opening scene that we've just discussed, and you believe it. Like this is a guy. Okay, so it set up the whole movie. This is a guy of sixteen. He's just had the worst night of his life, which was almost going to be the best night of his life. Mm-hmm. Just turn into the absolute you know worst part of his life, and then bang it. Fast forward to when he's an adult. Okay what's happened to him now and this is what sets up the whole movie and you want to know you literally sit there want to know okay this guy like what's happened to him now like is this obviously going to be the talk of the town at the time <laughs> and can i just say this 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 opening scene too like we're sitting obviously on the shrink on, on on the seat with the shrink and obviously the shrink's not even there we're like well, who's he talking to it and, 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 oh, yeah. and, and look, i might be jumping ahead here because i don't know if you want to talk anything more about that opening scene but yeah i, yeah. I think it's just perfect like they totally set this movie up for, for obviously where this guy goes 13 years later. Yeah. And you know, when we flash forward, I mean, uh, the first thing, like you said, in the psychiatrist's office or psychologist, whatever he is, I don't know the difference between, I think a psychiatrist can prescribe medication and a psychologist can't, but whatever, who knows? What, what whatever you is. say, I'll, I'll just agree with you. Cole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, the guy here, Richard Jenkins, I don't know if you're familiar with him or recognize him from anything. Is he, I've seen him in movies. I've definitely seen him in stuff. I I, yeah. I wouldn't be able to rattle off the top of my head, but he's one of those actors. Obviously, when you see his face, like, oh, I've seen. He's him that before. guy in that thing. That's kind of one yeah. of these guys. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, Jack Reacher. He had a role in Jack Reacher. He was on a TV show called Six Feet Under that I used to be a fan of, like years ago. But uh, a couple of years ago, he got nominated for Academy Award for the movie The Shape of Water, uh, the Guillermo del Toro movie uh, that I think won Best Picture. And Ben and I were just crushed that he didn't win Best Supporting Actor that year. I mean, he's an amazing actor, but to see him doing a comedy again, like I want to see him do more comedy because small role and he's hilarious here. He's basically, Ted's pouring his heart out in therapy about, you know, I hadn't thought about this in years, but this is the situation. And the guy's coming in, sneaking in from lunch. And he's licking his fingers. <laughs> he, he still he still has the the, the, the paper the bin, towel. Yeah. And the bin. Is this, literally, is this guy the worst, the worst, yeah you know, psychiatrist in history. Like this guy, he's not even listening. He clearly doesn't like his job anymore. He's sick of hearing Ted shit. Like sitting there, <laughs> yeah. obviously Ted's pouring out his heart about Mary and all this. This guy, yeah, like you said, he's sneaking in. He's still got the people. And I love how he, he's creeping. And as he gets on the chair, he kind of makes a noise and he kind of stops. And then 
Ted doesn't move and he's like, ah. And then, yeah. and then he, he doesn't realize the bib's still on the bib. And then he kind of looks around and he really, he, look, he kind of just looks down and he, oh, and he just puts. That, there's another setup here too that, again, I oh. didn't realize was a setup. But the, the whole joke, when you're watching the movie, there's so many of these things where you think that's just a joke and you realize it's serving the purpose as a joke and a setup. Basically, Ted mentions a rest stop and uh, the, 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 the doctor, the psychiatrist here says, you know, rest stops are notorious as homosexual hangouts. And the joke to the audience at that point is this guy clearly just revealed he's not paying attention to Ted and he yeah. thinks that's what this is about. And even Ted's reaction is that, but this is going to set up what comes up later but, on in the movie with the hitchhiker. I, I love this. I love the slow look because obviously Ted's been there. He, you know, he's looking forward yeah. the whole time. He's been he's been spilling his beans, you know, about what his problems are. Don't say beans. But when he says that, he kind of does that. He does a couple of looks around. And he's like, well, what? And then and then he's like, he says something like, huh? And the guy's like, highway rest areas. They're the <laughs> bathhouses of the nineties for many, many, many gay men. Yeah. <laughs> the bathhouses <laughs> yeah just great phrasing of some of these like, again oh, there, there's the line shit. well this is what's great is that we we have those those moments where it's the subtlety it's what they don't do that's funny and then there's yeah. other moments like this where going so over the top by phrasing is the bathhouse or whatever like that, <laughs> that makes it 90s. funny yeah like this movie is perfect because they know exactly when to go over the top and they know exactly when to go under the top if that's even a word but, and, and this is where Ben still like so many of his movies, he, he's known to play that bit of the bumbling fool. And, and, mm-hmm. and this is where even this scene here pays off because he's obviously confused. Like Ted's like, how the hell did it get to talking about homosexual hangouts in, in rest area? And then Ted kind of like, he stopped and he goes, well, what are you saying? And, and then all of a sudden, like the, the, his watch goes off, the, the, the shrink's watch goes off. He's, mm-hmm. he's like, oh, time she's up. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to, he's like, we'll have to delve into that next week. Yeah. <laughs> And then after this, oh, we get introduced. But, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I was just gonna say it's just and he's another character, obviously a, a very minor role in the movie. But you're right, and that scene obviously sets a, a massive scene up for later in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I get. I probably had never picked up on that until this time. Um, now we get introduced to Chris Elliott, who's uh, his friend. I guess Ted's only friend who knows his name, <laughs> and just everything about Chris Elliott's character is so perfect. Uh, he's such a douche. You know, he's got this wife who just wades on him. Basically, she's just a slave to him. We know this is going to become like spoiler if you haven't seen the movie. Why are you listening? But this is going to become Woogie. But mm. Ted doesn't realize that here, uh, and he's just giving him advice on what he should do about the Mary situation. So he's saying, "Why don't you hire a private investigator or whatever?" And uh, he says, "Okay, I know a guy who does insurance investigations. Maybe he'll do it as a favor." So Ben Stiller goes to Matt Dillon here when he gets introduced to Matt Dillon, um, who's, uh, what's what's his, I can't remember his, I always remember his name, the last name's Healy, but what's the first Pat, name? Pat, Pat Healy, and I've got a story Pat. about Pat Healy. Okay, I'll tell yeah. it now. So Pat Healy, it was the name, I think, of Peter Farrelly's assistant was Pat Healy, and they use <laughs> that in the, they've used that in the movie for this character, Pat Healy. So he obviously knew a person, you know, his assistant was named Pat Healy, and that's how they came up with the name. With, with the name, but I love it. Was he not happy with that assistant's work? Like I wouldn't want, if I'm watching this, Hey, we named a character after you and it ends up being Pat Healy. I don't know if I'm going to take that as a compliment. Is this my performance appraisal? <laughs> the, the, the thing I do, the thing I love about how they're setting up Don's character here. Like, and I think it's not, it's something that like me as a 15 year old wouldn't appreciate it, but me as a 38 year old now, like 
this guy looks like he's living the dream, like the married life. He's got the wife yeah. that's just, just devoted to him. You know, we'll, we'll cook him chock chip cookies when he's got <laughs> friends over. We'll no probably the tall houses, you know, like as he says, the tall, you know, and we'll, we'll do all the stuff, has the kids, does everything. As we, we see him later on in the movies, he's, he's getting oral sex from her while he's just mm-hmm. sitting back with a beer and watching. Like it's, it's something that you don't appreciate as a teenager, but when you're watching it as an adult, this is setting it up perfectly. This, it looks like Dom's, He's living the dream. He's got yeah. this wife that will just basically do everything for him. And I think that's what I loved about watching it, you know, for, for this for this recap is I really appreciated what the Farrelly brothers were doing with Don's character here, mm-hmm. you know. And and even too, when he obviously, he, he tells him he, he knows this bloke named Pat Healy. And the way he describes it, he runs a little hot, but he gets the job done. And of course, <laughs> we haven't seen Pat Healy. And in the next scene, we see this, this bloke with, you know, the, the 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 shady ass mustache yeah know, that he gets up the pants the un, the pants are undone oh, has, you know that little subtle things like the fact that he stands up and it's not like he stands up and he's just adjusting he stands up and it's like he doesn't even realize oh my pants are undone let me just do this up here and, and the best thing he's not he's not like a pi he, he's a claims investigator yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> But I love I love that line. Yeah, he runs a little hot, but he gets the job done. And like, you just picture this guy, claims investigator. Just, and that's why I think like Matt Dillon, I mean, what a casting. I mm. think I, I don't I honestly don't think the movie would have been anywhere near the same without Matt Dillon playing Pat Healy. Yeah, and again, he was not known for comedy at the no. time. I re- I remember even seeing this in okay, I, I was sort of familiar with Ben Stiller. I'd seen Cameron Diaz in one or two things, but again, not like outrageously funny. And it was weird as like Matt Dillon, I know that guy, but is, is does he do comedy? Now, it's not unusual now that you get these actors who just suddenly branch into comedy. But if you go back to the comedies of the 80s and 90s, every actor in it was only known for comedy. Uh, I think the what broke the mold was probably Jeff Daniels doing Dumb and Dumber. And maybe because of the success of that, they're like, well, you know, let's do something like that again. Mm. Let's get Matt Dillon. Uh, but in no way was he known for comedy. I mean, Matt Dillon probably wasn't even necessarily comfortable with comedy, but it is such a natural oh. fit for him in this movie. absolutely he plays it and just obviously at this stage we're only meeting his character for the first time and so we think okay this guy's a claims investigator he's obviously but yeah the the mustache before as soon as you see him you think okay there's something up with this guy he gets up the pants are undone yeah even ben still like even his reaction like oh what, what have i got myself in for and then i love how he's trying to work out like okay why are you trying to find mary for and then and then He's like, oh, is it an ex? Is it this? Is it that? Does she owe you money? Whatever. And he's like, no, no, no. It's just a, just a friend from school. And he's ah, like, oh, so it's just a straight up stalker case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At first he's like, oh, okay. So, you know, you knocked her up. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Blackmail. Oh, oh <laughs> you, you mean to tell me you're just a straight up stalker? And this is going to become the other running gag of the movie that everybody calls him a stalker. And yet he's, this is why these awkward <sighs> characters work well, because you will watch them do absolutely nothing wrong. And they're the ones that he can be. Are you a fan of, um, of the TV show Parks and Recreation? Never heard of it. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, you probably know the American version of The Office, right? Yeah, yeah. Of yeah it's very similar to The Office, except it's about politics. And uh, Amy Poehler's in it. And um, Chris Pratt got a start on there. But there's a character on that show named Jerry, who is like the world's nicest guy. But everybody in the office just belittles him. And anytime something, he'll do the, make the smallest mistake. Like, Geez, Jerry, can you do anything right? Like, he's just, everybody abuses it. And I'm sure every workplace, every group of friends has that one person that you just, you pick on because it's easy. That's kind of Ted, but like, nobody's doing it because they're like, oh, he's our friend. He does nothing wrong. And everybody's calling him a stalker or <laughs> calling him a masturbator and everything. And that's why it's so funny because he he's the only good person. 
and 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 you're right. And and this is what I love. Like here, this Pat Healy, he's just met him, and 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 he's judging him. And of course, we know we we go on to realize how shady Pat Healy is, you know, as a person. But even that, like he's because and he's like, no, no, no. Like Ted's like, no, no, she, she's just a friend. He's like, oh yeah, and that, that's why she's got an unlisted number and hasn't you haven't heard squat yeah. from her in thirteen years. <laughs> like yeah, real chum. You know? <laughs> but like, see, this is what I love because Pat Healy's really judging. And 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 let's be like, all all Ted's trying to do is this is tracked down someone that he knew as a, as a teenager. Mm-hmm. But this Pat Healy character, who's already what we've clearly seen within what the one, the one minute of this scene mm-hmm. that this guy's, you know, shady as all hell, but um, it, it just, it, it does. And it sets it up perfectly with obviously the, the Pat Healy character and what, what happens in the, in the rest of the movie. Uh, now, basically he just hires him to, I'm not going to say stock tail. I see even I'm falling into the whole stalker thing just to track her down as his only job. Um, but, uh, we also get introduced to his sidekick here. who's played by Jeffrey Tambor. Uh, another one. Are you a fan of Arrested Development? It's funny, you know, that's another show that I've, I've, so many people have said good things about it. And, and, and it's just one of those ones I've just never got around to, to watch. It's one I definitely want to watch. I just, you know, when, you, you know, you've probably always got those movies of TV yeah. shows that you think, oh, one day I'll do it. And you just never seem to get around to doing yeah. it. That, that's, that's probably my show. It's, it's one that I just, for whatever reason, just, yeah, never got around to it. Yeah, well, he plays the dad or grandpa. I mean, depending on which character you're looking at from on that show. I mean, he's been in tons of things. I mean, he's he's hilarious. I think he's um he he won the um, Emmy or something for a new TV show he's on. I can't remember the name of Transparent. I think, but uh, he's still a big deal now. But I mean, at this time, he he was mildly successful. Uh, I always sort of thought this was just a cameo for him, but I, I realize now, just doing a little bit of reading, that he had a much bigger role in this movie, which there's kind of an awkward moment later on where his character is mentioned and you're like, well, where is he? But he only has the two scenes in this movie, but mm. apparently there's an extended edition of this movie. Have you ever seen the extended edition? No, I haven't. No. Okay. Cause his character, <laughs> I'll just spoil it now. Apparently his character dies uh, <laughs> in the extended edition. And uh, it's, it's a pretty gr- I won't spoil it in case that you ever want to check it out, but um What's what's the character? Sully. Sully's the character's name. So yeah. uh, people go watch the extended edition. I intend to now, just knowing that he has a bigger role. And there's probably what would be the most outrageous moment in this movie is his character's death, which explains the scene we're going to get to later on. But um, <laughs> anyways, he's just his friend who kind of helps him here a couple times throughout the movie. Um, but uh, Matt Dillon's going down to Miami. This is Miami or is it Orlando? I always mix those two up. Uh, and that's Miami. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, he yeah. goes down to Miami, uh, and uh, he starts sort of spying on Mary. Uh, we we get introduced to Magda here, who's uh, the friend. Uh, <laughs> now, this again, one of the reveals where it's just go for shock value, but very brief. You don't have to see much, and it's funny you're not seeing much when he's watching her. And she, Mary's changing in the window. I think that's the scene, and then he. Turns for a second. Yeah, he he gets the bigger binoculars. Yeah, exactly. He gets the binoculars and he pulls them up just as Magda is flashing her not so tanned, saggy boobs. And he freaks out. And what was it? The the line he has where like that's one knock against her, one check mark against her. Uh, he has some type of line is like, ooh, you know, there's a, there's our first fault or whatever. Uh, and then realizes it wasn't Mary. He just missed Mary yeah. changing. <laughs> and, and that's a, that's a scene that I definitely remembered, like as a teenager. It was one of yeah. It's re- obviously this movie's got you know it's got the the zipper scene, mm-hmm. the the head, yeah, you know, the, the, the 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 hair scene. And and this was another scene that I definitely like you remember. Yeah, yeah. Well, how can you forget it? <laughs> <laughs> 
teenage boys, the first time you see boobs in your life is Magda. I mean, how many teenage <laughs> boys is that their first pair of boobs they saw, sadly? <laughs> Especially when you think you're just about to see Cameron Diaz. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now this the spy. I keep want to call it spy stalking. He's just investigating, but I guess with him it is spying or stalking. Uh, so it, it continues here as he's listening in on our conversations. He's uh, watching her. She's working with a basically working with Warren and a bunch of other mentally challenged uh, uh, adults here in this situation. And everyone that comes up is basically thanking her for bringing lunch and asking to marry her. Mm-hmm. So very subtle thing you think it's just a nice gag but this will become the biggest joke of the movie that literally every guy that meets her is willing to do anything to marry her uh and then she's meeting with her friends and one of the friends here again at the time i saw this movie didn't know anything about but sarah silverman you know would be a cameo a big celebrity cameo if you did now but at the time she was probably just looking for work she's one of the friends here uh and they're just all saying oh we should set you up with this guy and she's describing what a perfect guy would be which was somebody she could go golfing with you know, and they basically, uh, I think it's Sarah Silverman who basically says, so you want a fatty who likes beer and golf? And Mary's Dude, like, that's going to be hard to find. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, good luck finding that. <laughs> uh, we also get the first mention of two other major characters here. One being Tucker uh, and the other one being Brett. So we get the first mention of Brett here. And again, just how subtle it is so that they could leave the surprise later on with Brett, which is great. The second part of this is that uh, we get all the little mentions that Mary has about what she wants to do that Matt Dillon's going to use later on talking about architects and Nepal. And this is all going to become a big thing later on. So Matt Dillon's already working on his scheme to get Mary. So uh, when we get him going back and meeting with Ben Stiller and he's revealing this scene, I always forget about this scene and how funny it is because it's just such a minor thing. He's just saying, Oh yeah, I found her or whatever. Uh, he says, it's good news. So first he's going, yeah, you didn't tell me she was a little bit, or is she big boned back in high school? <laughs> and Ben still was like, oh, so she's a, she's a little chubby. <laughs> oh, I'd say a deuce, deuce and a half. <laughs> and then he's like, not bad. Like this is Matt Dillon. Yeah, not, like, bad. Yeah. not bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Matt Dillon's like saying all the most terrible things and saying so positive throughout it. Uh, He's like, oh, yeah, she's got a bunch of kids. No husband, though. That's the good news. <laughs> and four then he's, kid, he goes, here's the good news. Four kids, three different guys, but yeah. no rock. <laughs> yeah, that's the good news. Uh, he even mentions her being in a wheelchair here. Um, <laughs> then it's like, if you want, I can get you the name of the housing project that she's in. And Ben Stiller just sort of walks away from this. But, I mean, it's going to turn around in a second. Uh, he he has a change in heart and eventually he uh, goes back to Matt Dillon as Matt Dillon's packing up his office and says, you know what? I, I would really like to have the info. So I don't care what you said. I still like to get in touch with her. And where, is he, where are you going? And he's saying, oh, I'm going down to Miami. Uh, it's like, what's there? Rice-a-roni. <laughs> like, Isn't that the San Francisco treat? And Matt Dillon just sort of like, it was. <laughs> he's like, they're expanding or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Another thing too, when they're talking about the, the he says he's uh, she's in a wheelchair and uh, and and Ben Stiller's like oh she's in a wheelchair and, yeah. then, and then Matt Dillon's like oh, I thought that was a part of your kick yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that one oh. and then, then he has to continue like Matt Dillon one of the great things about his characters I, I feel like. Um, even though at the time I said Matt Dillon got almost as much attention as Cameron Diaz did now that maybe because Cameron Diaz and Ben Siller become so big and Matt Dillon's maybe more still known for dramatic movies. 
everybody sort of forgets him. And his character is just brilliant. I mean, this guy has a con on top of a con on top of a con and all these lies on top of lies. And the way that he sort of sells it, like he's totally convincing too. Like I, I don't buy that, you know, Ben Stiller is going to be considering the lie. I, I believe Ben Stiller is going to be buying what he's feeding him because when he's saying now, it's like, oh, you, you said she was in a wheelchair. It's like, it's a bunion. She'll get over it. You know? <laughs> uh, and then um, uh, we talk about how big she is or whatever. It's like, oh yeah, you know, I'll tell you what, as soon as she gets back from Japan, I'll, you know, I'll dig up in Japan. Which is like, oh, you know, mail order bride things, it goes both ways. And then it's like, I thought you said that she was like, you know, a deuce and a half. It's like, you know, sumo culture over there. <laughs> They're into the big bone ones. <laughs> but, but I like to, he says, oh yeah, when, he, when he's telling her all these bad things about her to try to put him off, he's like, yeah, she's a real spark plug. Yeah, yeah. And then of course later on, he's like, no, no, I said butt plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the, 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 the exact line was he says, Japan, they pay by the pound over there. <laughs> oh, Matt Dillon's so good in this movie. I love him. He's p- He's the honestly without him, it wouldn't have been like yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm a big believer that without Matt Dillon playing the role of Pat Healy, I don't think anyone could have pulled it off. Because the best bit, this is the best bit about his role. He's the creepiest of the lot, but he's oh, yeah. still he's still judging. You know, mm-hmm. poor Ted. He's still <laughs> yeah. judging Ted like like he's the stalker. He's the guy that you know like he's got like some sort of sick fetish. You know, that's part of your kick and all that. Like that's what makes it so good. Yeah, and throughout the course of the movie. Matt Dillon, anytime somebody's onto him, he tells another lie and he's out of it. But even when everybody finds out he's a stalker, there's no point where Mary's like, you're disgusting. Get out of here. It's just, they just accept it, you know? Oh, that's him. That's just the way he is. <laughs> oh, jeez. So good. So good. Uh, um, so the, the rest of uh, this uh, next part here is just where Matt Dillon is conning Mary now. So he's sort of tailing her and... Um, uh, now he's playing golf next to her and he's terrible. Now, apparently uh, Cameron Diaz, they had hired a golf double for her, but she was better than the golf double. So they kept her in the movie. Like, I don't know if she's a golfer in real life, but that's one of the little trivia things is like she was an expert golfer. So, so this is where my favorite part of the movie is. Obviously at the start of the show, I said about those damn Nepalese coins. So, yeah, this, is, yeah. so this is, this is a line that, all these years later today, like my brother and I, we still use that line like all the time. Like just say, you know, I don't know, we're, I'll say, hey, do you want a drink or something? I'm like, and then I'll pull out my wallet. I'm like, oh, all I've got is these damn Nepalese coins. Like, that's a line that me and my brother have said for the last, what, 20 odd years still to this day. And that's obviously why I, why I opened that line. It's a, it's a classic line. And yeah, the fact that he says, oh, not much since I bought the place. <laughs> He's like, yeah, should never have bought the place. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but but obviously with that line, that's where that's the first instance where Mary ha- takes a bit of notice in him because obviously yeah. before that, yeah, you know, she says, oh, you know, he says, oh, give me an advice, any advice about the golf, whatever. And he's like, yeah, don't talk him a backswing. But so before that, she's not given she's not giving him the time of day until obviously he mentions his Nepalese coins, which then the next scene they walk out, they're out in the car park, and she's introducing herself, hey, I'm Mary. And he's like, yeah, I know. Oh, I you know, hi, Mary, or whatever. And I had you know my name. It's on, it's on your golf bag, you know. And then, mm-hmm. and then he, of course, he walks to the car. He opens the the door, and, and the, the blueprint, <laughs> the the blueprint. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so over the top. But like this one was saying, his character is a boob, right? 
personally he's a boob but he is legitimately brilliant in this movie like he has thought through everything and and anytime somebody catches him he just he backpedals and he's got another live yeah just the blueprints falling out it's so over the top but that's what makes it so funny so one one line i've never sort of quite understood i guess is obviously then he starts talking about he, he works with yeah, kids in special needs and all that. Mm. But then he's almost turning Mary off there. Like, is that sort of half the thing? Is that meant to be like with his character? Like, he's, he's just I a think bit of a bumbling fool. Yeah, he's yeah. a bit of a bumbling fool. And he, he's, yeah, he's, he's he uses the wrong it. word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he uses the wrong word. And of course, like, Mary's furious. And he's like, yeah. And then, of course, he tries, he gets himself out of it. And he's talking <laughs> about Mongo and, and, and being in a cage. And he's like, you know, that's, he's like, she's like, Mary's like, that's bullshit. He's like, that's what I say. You know, yeah. he talks about, he goes, it's all right. I, I take him out. I put him on a leash. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, this scene is the one part of the movie where I actually believe that he's not just backpedaling, that, that he mm. doesn't realize he's caught. I think he's just sincerely such, you know, a, an inconsiderate guy that when Mary's saying things like, you know, is that politically correct? His legitimate response is nobody can tell me who I can and can't work with. That This is the one time he's being sincere and just no matter what she says, he does not realize you can't talk like that, man. <laughs> oh, he plays it well. And that's one thing. Yeah, well, obviously it's, it's, it's that one line like, Oh yeah. Why did they put that in? But you're right. It, it, it sets it up that he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a bumbling fool too. And, and he's not, He's obviously trying, he's lying to Mary, he's trying to get her all that, but he's not aware of his surroundings, but he just, he gets, you know, he gets himself out of it, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, but yeah, it, it's, a, it's, it's definitely, it's a funny line, but this the whole, yeah, the Nepalese coins, the blueprints and all that. And obviously, <laughs> and, and that's another thing too, because like, obviously Matt Dillon, like in the movie too, he, he's not a good looking bloke. So you, yeah. you think, oh, there's no, there's no way someone like him's going to get married, but you know, he, Obviously, Mary, she, you know, she's looking for someone that, you know, she says, oh, that can, that can, you know, drop his work at the, you know, just, just drop it and, and go to a baseball game and all that stuff. And of course, that's what he's playing on to, to get yeah. Mary and obviously not his looks. And even later on in the movie, you know, she, Mary sort of says like, oh, he's not, basically says, oh, he's not good looking, you know, yeah. but, but basically she's the sort of, he's the guy that she's looking for as far as like, you know, his personal life. Yeah. He's so smooth with every lie he's telling her. Uh, that is over as the top as it is to the audience. I mean, she's buying it. Uh, mm. But but also, I forgot to mention the, the scene earlier on. I always wonder this, if, if whether or not uh, maybe they could put two and two together. He was there when she was with the friends at the restaurant. When they mentioned the vibrator, they all start laughing and you have him kind of like, <laughs> and they look at him. Now, obviously, he's from behind, mm. but that could have blown it really quickly for him there. But uh well, I think that's where they get away with it. Is the fact he, he never actually turns around. Yeah. Around. I mean, you, if you look but, up and you see someone laughing, you only look for a split second, you know, people look different. You know, people look the same from behind, you know. I, I think that's where, obviously, they needed him in that scene. They needed him yeah. to look, so to learn about all this stuff. And, and um, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a throwaway little, little you think, bit there where he takes a laugh. But You think I, Mary, I think, though, would have been like, you know what? You're mentioning all the stuff that I mentioned in a conversation at lunch earlier today. <laughs> and there was that awkward guy laughing. <laughs> and I think because the way they do it too, this all happens within like a couple of days kind of thing too. It's all like very quick, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, you're, you're right. But I think, I think it passes. It's, it's the same thing that Billy and I said, the whole thing of the karate kid, you know what? It would make more sense this way, but then you'd have no movie. So we're happy to exactly. have a movie. So let's ignore really the one uh, potential, not even plot hole in the movie, the one questionable thing in the movie. Uh, so yeah, he's basically conned his way into going out with her now. 
Uh, and uh, Ben Stiller is getting his moving injury. This is such a small scene, but again, I just love every moment where Ben Stiller is doing nothing wrong and just people are just ragging on him and abusing him. And this guy, this guy in the wheelchair is just, doesn't matter what he does, he can't do anything right. Uh, this is all just a setup though for him having to go to the, um, the, the chiropractor uh, where the chiropractor is basically mentioning Mary here. It's like, oh yeah, I ran into her in Vegas. Uh, where? Why would you run into Vegas? Well, she's an orthopedic surgeon. I'm a chiropractor, uh, and um, uh, obviously he's going to find out. Hey, you know, Healy was lying to me about this. Now, I always thought this guy came back because when we get to the ending, the ending is so over the top with all the guys are there. Mm-hmm. This is the one guy who remembers Mary who doesn't show up at the end. And I'm, not, I'm saying it's a missed opportunity, but uh, I because of the way the ending plays out, I always thought that this chiropractor was one of the guys that shows up at the end, but he doesn't. But still, no. I, I don't even I don't, I don't even know who this guy is. But another guy who has maybe three or four lines in this movie and is absolutely hilarious. I, I think too. I think when you look at because you don't hear his name throughout the movie, and I think if you you look up, um, you know, the movie credits and and what he's credited, it's it's like Doctor Zipface or something. <laughs> Because obviously, when he was younger, he had the zit on his yeah, you know, he had the zit on his face, and yeah, I think that because you don't actually hear his name or anything. He's just, just obviously a friend that Ted's Ted stayed friends with since high mm-hmm. school. But this is what so yeah, obviously he finds out that you know that that what Pat Healy's been telling him isn't isn't is false. Obviously, no, Mary's she's she's still looking good. She's she's doing well in the career, and I love this. Obviously, we we see the scene then when when Ted goes to Dom's office. Dom's in some boring bloody. <laughs> And, and this is another thing about Dom too. Like this is a guy, he's, he's married, he's got the kids. He looks like, you know, he's got the perfect wife and all that. And then and he's got this office job, you know, the, they're in the boardroom. It, it's setting Dom's character up perfectly. This is just a, this is just an average guy that probably works, you know, nine to five, Monday to Friday, has the wife, has the kids and all that, you know, and it looks like he's just trying to help Ted out. So mm-hmm. Ted comes in, he's, he's yelling out that Mary's a fox. Yeah. Mary's a fox. <laughs> and, <laughs> But um, and, and I think this is where we start seeing that he, this is where Dom's starting to get he's the, got hives the first as well. hive, yeah. yeah. And oh, another thing too, when he's when he's telling Dom about like Pat Healy was lying to me, he still th- he doesn't think Pat Healy's trying to like, yeah. get Mary. He he just thinks he's down in Miami sealing the deal with the Riceroni people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's still buying the Riceroni thing. <laughs> now, did you catch? <laughs> With uh, um, what's on the, the in the boardroom? What's on the big uh, whiteboard there? What's written? No, I didn't. Oh, know. I, again, I never saw this before. But again, just selling how much of a douche Woogie really is. Uh, on the whiteboard that he's doing a presentation on, it says bus crash, twelve kids killed. What does this cost us? <laughs> I, I never caught that before, but it's oh. so funny because it, it, it totally fits his character. Like guys just totally inconsiderate self-centered minor detail funny i wish i had seen that years ago well i guess that because we don't actually know i don't think we know what dom or, or Woogie's, what he does for work but i mean the fact that he knows pat healy he's saying he's a claims investigator yeah mm. exactly exactly yeah so this um, bus crash <laughs> where 12 kids were killed <laughs> This is and this is what I like. Like I said, at this stage, if you're watching this movie for the first time, you're you're just thinking the whole point of Don's character is just basically to help, you know, to help Ted out along this journey of trying to track down Mary. Yeah, you know, you know, because you just you just think he's done, but just the gradual as he's going on, mm-hmm. the hives are getting worse. You know, you start seeing this change in in Don's character, but um, 
where are we up to now? So we've got the, is it the date night? Uh, so yeah, this is where they go to the architecture exhibit, <laughs> which again, anytime at, well, first of all, they, they, uh, uh, have to get past the dog or he has to get past the dog. So he, he drugs the dog through the door. So the dog will be tranquilized because the dog reacts, but oh, the dog will tell you, uh, what is the dog's name again? Scruffy. Puffy, puff, puffy, puffy. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Puffy will tell you if he's a good guy or a bad guy. So he slips him some drugs. So they immediately cut to him and he's just petting the dog. The dog's just on its back, you know, completely calm. So he's never like this with guys. Uh, and then uh, as they go off, to, they, they say, uh, do you want somebody to drink or whatever? And then uh, <laughs> I love the one line is he's trying to stall where it's like, no, but I'd love a butt cake. <laughs> it's just a random thing he says. Uh, but the dog basically starts dying here. Now, this is probably along with the hair gel and the zipper, the other famous moment of the movie. He's trying to revive this dog. And, and I don't think I'd ever seen a visual gag like this before, where a dog is being given mouth to mouth. You see the belly rising. Uh, he's got the, 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 the lamp where he's trying to electrocute it and shocking it. The dog's like jumping up in the air like, this kills me every single time I see this. It never gets old. And then the dog's belly gets set on fire. Like, I don't know if you've never done an episode of me before, but I have a thing with people getting set on fire. That is like the funniest thing in the world. Like I will be in tears laughing. If it's a drama and somebody catches on fire, it is the funniest thing in the world to me. This dog catching on fire, <laughs> like had me in tears here. Uh, he eventually just throws the water on the dog, which sparks it awake. So when they come back, it looks like the dog's just cuddling with him. What I love too is while that's going on, Mary's trying to work out what type of beer he wants. It's like you want a, you yeah. want a, a Budweiser or a Heine, you know. Yeah. And, then, and then as he's trying to, eat, the dog's dying. He's like, yeah, you know, he's talking to the dog. He's like, stay away from the light. And Mary's yeah. like, oh, she has a Bud Light. And has, oh, <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Like this is a scene. Obviously, you remember. Like once you've seen this movie once, you always remember this yeah. scene. And of course because you think oh geez what's going to happen and then magna and mary walk back in and you know the puffers puffy's alive now and, and he's like he's got him like wrapped up in, in a little blankie and he's like this shaking and yeah <laughs> he was a little cold <laughs> you think then, she ever discovers afterwards that her lamp is now mangled and her couch oh, is soaking wet i know i know it's, it's, magda's it's, not it's gonna just, notice <laughs> no exactly no she's too busy tanning with the bloody cucumber yeah. on her eyes but uh, <laughs> but yeah no it's now this is this is the art museum. So the the, yeah. the next scene, this is where we first meet Tucker. And I think we had mm. sort of heard about Tucker before. About the friends like, mentioned, oh, have you? Because have about you Brett Favre, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. I think because because they asked, oh, whatever happened to you, that guy you were dating, Brett? And he's like, oh, Tucker told me that you know he did mm -hmm. he would have put a rock on my finger if if I didn't have Warren years ago and all that. So we'd heard about this Tucker. This is a oh, another thing. Before we get into that, one of the best lines I think from that whole incident we're talking about with Puffy, the the King Tung Tea, which means <laughs> noble man who's loved by many animal who in kind loveth too. That was my so, backup quote. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So I had that line too. So this, I was telling about my brother how we used the Nepalese coin too. So that's another line we still use to this day. I'm King Tung Tea, you know, lover of all animals. You know. Oh. It's a, I, I nearly forgot that line. I can't believe I nearly let that let that out. But yeah, how many good lines are there from this movie? I mean, it's we had a plethora of, of lines to use at the start of the start of the the show today. Yeah, and uh, the art exhibit scene too. I mean, just the way Matt Dillon's bumbling his way through this uh, because he doesn't realize they're going to go there. And uh, when she's asking, it's like, "Oh, I love this one." Now, is this Art Deco or Art Nouveau? And he's like, "Deco." 
And then asking about something else. And he's like, I don't even, what, what is the question she asked him where he starts rambling on about visualizing in the natural state in the totalitarianism? Yeah. <laughs> something like, is it nouveau or something? He's like, yeah, yeah. you got to look at it as a whole. Yeah. He's just talking <laughs> shit. Like, you got to look at it as a whole. And you can see he doesn't know what he's talking about. And the then fact that he drops a line totalitarianism. <laughs> Mary looks at him like, I have no idea what you just yeah. said. And then he just he just moves on. And and then of course that's when Tucker comes over and, and he's like, hey, he's talking. He's like, oh, where, where did you know? Uh, um, you know, where did you study? Oh, Harvard. Oh, you must know this person. Oh, among others, you know, like yeah. he's like, Yeah, among others. He, he's trying to just he wants the conversation changed. He's like, Oh, where would I have seen some of your work? And he's like, You've been to Santiago, uh, Chile. Santiago, Chile. And he goes, Oh, twice last year. And he's like, Oh. You built something here. Oh, do you know the Estadio Olimpico? You built that? Oh, no, no, no. Just down the street. The Salente Caliente Towers. Yeah. <laughs> Next he, time you're there, I would the... highly recommend you check it out. <laughs> but I like how you had the break. He's like, yeah, the Salente Caliente. And then there's a break. He's like, Towers. Towers. <laughs> Even just the, the the guy who plays Tucker, Lee Evans, this is going to go along with my the two screenwriters of the Santa Claus sequels where I'm like, where do I know that name from? Or in this case, where do I know that face from? Uh, now, he hasn't actually done a ton of stuff. He's he's more a comedian than he is um, yeah. an actor, but he had a role in The Fifth Element. Uh, I think I recognize him from that. He had a role in Mouse Hunt. I think I recognize him from that. The one I know him from is The Medallion with Jackie Chan. And I don't know why. Whereas I'm watching this, I'm running through his filmography. I'm like, okay, I've seen that, but that's not it. That's not it. And I see The Medallion. I'm like, yes, The Medallion with Jackie Chan. That's where I know this guy from. But I mean, what a talent. I mean, he is, again, a huge scene still in this movie. I don't know why. Maybe he's just not one of these guys who wants to act all the time. He wants to do more just stand up. But I mean, he this guy could have been one of the biggest comedy stars in the world. He's so good. Oh, absolutely. And you're right. I've seen him in a few other things, but yeah, absolutely. You, you sort of, you think back now, like how did he not go on to, to bigger things? And you, you might be spot on. It might be the fact that he's, he's I, I was aware he was a comedian, um, but yeah, this role of Tucker, I mean, this was made for this guy. It was made because he's so convincing. Cause you've got to remember at this stage, this is what I love about this movie. If you're watching this movie for a first time, you don't know, like you don't know that Tucker's going to become a stalker himself. Like you think this is a genuine, cause let's be honest, like, What's the odds that he's going to be at this architect, you know, <laughs> night and talking about the bloody Estadio Olimpico and, and all this stuff? I mean, you just you don't see it coming. If you're watching this the first time, you do not see this coming, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it so good. He's so believable. Mm-hmm. And the line that he has too that I think cracks me up more than anything is where Matt Dillon asks, like, "Have you ever been to?" And Matt Dillon's thinking, "Like, what is the most obscure place to go in Santiago, Chile?" And he's like, "Twice this year." <laughs> <laughs> Really? <laughs> and he's going to have another great, when he, when he changes persona, he's going to have a great Santiago line later on. But yeah, with, with his character, Tucker, like I think why this is so believable, there's a lot of other characters where you're like, okay, I get that they're just trying to get with Mary or there's something suspicious about them. There will come a moment where you're like, oh, there's something going on with Tucker, but it's not here because even though, okay, he's got the architect thing going for him, everything else about him, like, no way would a person be running around with these glasses and the hunchback and the, the crutches if he was actually trying to marry Mary. 
Mm -hmm. uh, but then you realize later on, no, there's a very good reason for this. I mean, this movie's so expertly plotted out that everything makes sense once they reveal it. Okay, so after they go out for dinner here, uh, we cut back to Ben Stiller. So he's driving down to Miami and uh, he pitches, pick, pitches, he pitches a hitchhiker. <laughs> Somebody's pitching something in a second, but it's not a hitchhiker. Uh, he picks up a hitchhiker and here's the great Harlan Williams. Uh, if, I think I got his name right there. Uh, did I, did I not? Let's call it. It's Harlan something. <laughs> uh, are oh, you the, familiar the, with ha ha Harlan Williams? So it is Williams. Yeah, he, he was in. So he was in another Farrelly Brothers movie. He was in Dumb and Dumber. He played the yeah, the, the motorbike cop. cop where he's like, pull over, pull over. No, it's, it's <laughs> no, a cardigan. <laughs> Thanks for noticing. Yeah, what, what's that line? He's like, um, where he's, he's gonna, he's about to drink the beer, and he's like, I wouldn't do that, officer. He's like, you would have shut up if you knew what was good for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, this guy, I. I I knew him. Uh, I might have even seen him before Dumb and Dumber because he's Canadian and he's actually a, was a pretty big stand up comic here in Canada. Uh, I think as well, he's more known as for stand up comedy, but he appears in a couple of Fairly Brothers movies. He's in a movie. I've only ever seen him one other thing. He was in a movie. I don't even know what it was called. He, he played like a hitman and it was like he was a, in the end, I think he was like a terrible hitman or something. And then I don't, was it like the long, was it one with um Bruce Willis, like the longest yard or something like that? It, not the longest uh, I'm yard. I'm looking What's him up Bruce... right now. The, la the last Boy Scout or? The, the, uh, no, 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 no. They made it the, the whole nine yards or something like that. Was he in? Oh, the, the whole nine, nine yards. Yeah. Seen a couple of. Once whole, twice, he was in the whole nine yards. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also in Freddy Got Fingered. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Employee of the month, uh, does a lot of voice work now too. So I guess stand up and voice is more his thing, but yeah, fairly brother's favorite, obviously uh, great Canadian actor. He's also the most Canadian sounding Canadian you will ever meet. Like everybody's stereotype of what Canadians sound like. Like I always say that's like extreme. That's like, if you were to ask somebody from New York, it's like, howdy partner. I'm like, no, that's a completely different region, but he is so Canadian. Like here it's a little bit dumbed down. But if you hear him do a stand-up, like this is your stare. Maybe that's part of his act is just the stereotype of being Canadian. But he's again one of the, my favorite things about this movie. Uh, and none of his stuff was really scripted, too. I guess a minimal amount of it was. But uh, the Fairley brothers have basically just said, you know, they learned from having worked with him on Dumb and Dumber that you can't script him. He's never gonna follow it. You you can't you can't uh, bribe him, you can't blackmail him into following a script. So half of this stuff, I think, what's so great is that you realize it is probably completely improvised and it it kind of shows in this scene that is he's just rambling and just the way ben stiller i appreciate ben stiller so much more now realizing how he probably had to play off of a guy who was making this up off the top of his head because uh, harlan williams starts going on about you ever heard of the eight minute abs and ben's like, yeah yeah it's that uh that video <laughs> the way ben stiller's just playing polite to with them too is so funny it's like okay i got a thing it's called the seven minute abs Right, I, I I see where you're going with that. Yeah, seven Col minutes. Okay, Col Col it's like Colin. We might we might just go back. He actually says seven minutes, and then he, he turns it into six minutes. Oh well, I think Ben Stiller says, um, uh, "What about no, the six a, minutes?" It, yeah, because because he, he yeah he never says that. So it's, it's like seven minute. He goes, "Oh," because he says, oh, "I've got this thing about seven minute abs," and then he's like, "Oh." Oh, but what happened if if someone comes up with six minute abs? Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Well, so what would you do if somebody comes six minutes and then he just he starts like twitching and he's like, no, no, I said seven minutes. <laughs> and this is where that line about the seven chipmunks twirling on a branch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that line. It, that's one thing too. Like I, I think I was always like 
yeah, that whole well, you said it. You said it at the start. Of, say it again. It was a great line when he the uh, seven. Um, uh, oh, I had the quote here before. I was. Re- I'm going to lie. I was reading off of it before. <laughs> I may have gone past it. Well, I'm going to pr- put up here again, and I'll try to do it. In my because he's, he's like seven's the key number. You got seven dwarfs. Yeah, Se- seven. Was it seven? Like Seven's seven the key and- number. Think about it. Seven eleven. Seven doors. <laughs> seven man. That's the number. Seven chipmunks twirl on a branch, eating lots of sunflowers on Uncle's ranch. <laughs> with that look on his face when he does it and you can see ben still is like what the hell is going on here oh then when and the then, rambling continues where he goes you're dreaming about gorgonzola it's clearly brie time baby <laughs> <laughs> he's so extreme but, but you know what is probably the funniest part of this entire scene here is where he says if you're not happy with the first six minutes We'll give you the seventh minute for free. That's our thing. <laughs> he goes, he, 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 yeah, because he doesn't Ben still is like, oh, we guarantee. Because he says, he says, oh, we guarantee just as good a workout as a, you know, in the <laughs> yeah. in the seven in the six minutes as you do seven. And Ben still is like, well, how do you guarantee that? He goes, well, this <laughs> yeah. is it. You know, if you're not happy with the first six minutes, we'll mail you the last minute for free. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh. But then, but then, obviously, when Ben Stills questioning, now, talking about lines that I still use today, this is probably the line I still I use the most out of any of these lines. He's like, "Step into my office," and then, and then Ben Stills like, "Why?" And he's like, "Cause you're fucking fired." <laughs> like I 100 see the improv here, and, and more credit to Ben Stiller than anything he's had to do in his career. That if he actually acted opposite Harlan Williams making this up off the top of his head and didn't break character. <laughs> but, the, but then when he finally, he's been, this is another thing I didn't, never really realized before when he stops in the rest area and he's like, oh, we're going to take a break or whatever. Or I need to piss or whatever. And the hitchhiker's like, I'm only waiting seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just killed me when he said the seven minutes. Because I again, another line is just so in the background. Like he's leaving and you just sort of hear him subtly you don't realize it like you, there's so much great humor in this movie that is just as good as the stuff that's in your face that when you can re-watch this over and over again and pick up on new things it's great um uh, this scene here where, where he goes to the bathroom in the dark and he sort of trips and the lights come on <laughs> yeah and, and obviously okay so obviously this is the setup from the the, the, the earlier the rest the stops the, the, the rest homosexual hangouts <laughs> and it's good because when i remember too when you're watching this for the first time you, you're not even thinking about that you think oh he's, he's gonna stop for a piss you know yeah next second he gets out he he, he trips over <laughs> he trips over someone as he trips up there's, there's, there's obviously you know uh, uh, a, a homosexual you know low <laughs> job going he, on yeah, yeah you realize what's going on and then all of a sudden the lights come on, police are there, the police are yelling out, this this is a raid, you know, and Ben Stiller's like, and then all of a sudden people getting up <laughs> getting up everywhere. Um, you can see Ben Stiller's like, what the, what the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is, <laughs> this is, I love that. I love this line. This is, so he's like, oh, I'm just peeing. And then, and, then, and then the first guy he's tripped over, he's like, yeah, yeah, I was just peeing. And then yeah, you hear in the background, like, pay- yeah, me, me too, I was just peeing. And the, the cop is like, yeah, 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 you're all pissing, I get it. <laughs> Now, now, okay. Now, this is something that I've never heard before. It was only from doing these notes that I came, I, I came across this, and I don't know whether you picked it up. I googled it and I found an article from the Farrelly brothers, or it might have been just Peter himself, and he talked about why they added this into the movie. And this, this is like I've probably watched this movie ten times. It's, this is mm. the first time I've noticed it. So when this is happening and the police come in and they're they're arresting Ted and everyone's running off, just like off camera, you don't actually see anyone yell this out. You hear. A co- like it's obviously a police officer yelling out 
um, Jimmy Shea, is that you? And no, I, I, I was like, that. yeah. And, and, all of my head, and I'm like, why is someone yelling out, who's Jimmy Shea? Like, why all of a sudden, I've watched this movie 10 times or so. I've never seen a character, Jimmy Shea. So I Googled it. So basically what it was is this is a little a little Easter egg that the Farrelly brothers put in the, in, in, the, in the movie. So they have a good friend called Jimmy Shea. And obviously <laughs> this is like a restaurant where they're, you know, arresting uh, all these bunch of homosexuals that are you know, illegally <laughs> getting it on in his rest stop. And so this friend of theirs, Jimmy Shea, so they didn't tell him that they had put this in the movie until the night of the premiere when they're all going to watch it. And just before it came on, they let this, this Jimmy Shea know, hey, Jimmy, like, this is, you know, listen out. Like, this is, you know, listen out, your name's going to come up. And so they're making out that Jimmy Shea's there in this rest stop up, rest stop up you know, up to no good. <laughs> oh, nice. How good's that? Like, I, so I've watched this movie so many times, never picked up on it before. No. No, no, I, I probably hadn't even noticed it. But again, if you are Jimmy Shea, like the fact that they kept that from him is the best thing because he's going to be like, oh, come on, guys. He's like, Jimmy Shea, is that you? <laughs> That's you how you mess with your friends. You can just, you just picture me now here. Like I'm here work, like doing the notes for this episode. I'm like, like I'm trying to, I'm Googling like who Jimmy is Shea. Jimmy Shea? Like Jimmy Shea. <laughs> and then I find this article and it was like the last paragraph in this long ass mm-hmm. article of like Jimmy Shea. And they put, oh, and that's where they also told that in that article, that's where I found out about Pat Healy. And obviously that was his assistant mm-hmm. and why they use the name Pat Healy. Well, I do know what I'm going to kind of cover all the Ben Stiller stuff here uh, before we get back to uh, Cameron Diaz and Matt Dillon. Uh, so there's there's two other characters that I, I couldn't remember who it was, but the two cops that interrogate him. Now, the names of these officers is also supposed to be named after crew members or friends of theirs or something. Did you uh, take note of that or I didn't see that. I didn't read the whole article, to be honest. I just sort of was looking for the name Jimmy Shane. Just as I was scrolling down, it was like the last paragraph in this in this article. Well, these guys that interrogate him, uh, their names were taken from somebody involved in the movie, somebody they knew. I always love when people do this, they'll name it after somebody, especially when it is something unflattering. Like, I don't know if you're a fan of Back to the Future or know a lot of the trivia about it, uh, but the character's name, Biff Tannen, was named after a studio executive who was named Ned Tannen that basically made like made everybody miserable. Like he, they, they were like, we never want to work this guy again. And yet the guy was like, after the movie, Hey, thanks so much for naming that character after me. I really appreciate that. They didn't realize they named the, the bumbling villain after him for a reason, but it's fun when they could throw gags in there like that. Absolutely. And, and, and like, obviously with, with, and do Farrelly brothers, do they do this in other movies? I'm, I have no idea where they, they must. Was, yeah. Like, I know stuck on you. Um, there, there were a, a lot of things at the time that came out saying like, yeah, they, they put real people they knew in the movie. They, they based it around their hometown. So there's gotta be, I would assume, especially in stuck on you, a lot of stuff from people they know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. And, and that's what I love about this movie. You can watch it as many times as you want. You're always finding just that something that little mm-hmm. bit new. And I think that's the mark of a good movie when, when you're you're still finding out stories about this movie and what yeah. they're doing, I mean, yeah, they it just shows that the, obviously the directors have gone to that little bit extra, and sometimes it, they might be a personal joke, but years later, obviously hmm. from articles and interviews, you find it, and then you become in on the joke. Because, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Funny. Like, and you think about it, that's something I'd love to do. You know, you if you made a movie, you know, you'd chuck Ben's name in there or something yeah. just for a bit of a joke. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got to do that then. We got to we'll do an, an audio play. And we'll make Ben a character. <laughs> You'd have to make him the villain, surely. Oh, of course. 
Give me the worst. I, I don't know whether you, I don't know whether you'd like to be the, the bloke at the the uh, the bathhouse bathhouse oh, of the '90s rest stop, but uh, uh, that's Ben's character. We got it right now. <laughs> He's the villain of the bathhouse <laughs> rest stops. Well, um, the bathhouse of the '90s. That's oh, so good, so good. So Ben Stiller oh. appears on the TV show Cops here, which is a live version of Cops, but I don't think is a thing. But they had to work it into the movie. And uh, Woogie here. Now, does he, you have to confirm this for me because this was the one time where I didn't have time to take the note at the time of, but does, does his wife refer to him as Woogie here or any other point in the movie? Because I swear there was a scene where somebody identified him before he's revealed. Uh, look, I could be wrong. I don't believe so. I think at that stage, we still don't know it's Woogie until, yeah, it I might mean, be until right at the end of the movie. means like, you know, when he's like Wooganowski, Woogie, mm-hmm. you know, but I could be wrong, but yeah. And, and this is obviously the scene. <laughs> They said, uh, well, obviously he's sitting back having a beer on the couch, yeah. watching his, his watching his friend. Because at this stage, you still think it's just his best friend who's looking after him. He's having a beer watching watching Ted and on her response getting, was, and, yeah, yeah, and it wasn't. Any... <laughs> oh, you you go, you go. Yeah, it's like I told you he was gay. Because <laughs> <laughs> he because obviously when he's when he's getting whipped into the into the back of the the the, wa- the police wagon obviously yeah he, he he's you know that wasn't me you know wasn't me, wasn't me. <laughs> but yeah just just seeing Dom again obviously like you think oh he's living this perfect life you know he's he, the wife pops up he he, he <laughs> she says something and he pushes her head down like all just stuff to to make out like this this Dom characters just living the life you know while his friend's life is just falling apart you know yeah. like getting arrested <laughs> yeah. for being for being at a, a bloody rest stop you know <laughs> but but that's again kind of like with tucker he's the least likely guy for mary to fall for because why would he present himself like that it's the same thing with him because you show him having this perfect life so you're never going to suspect that he's going to be one of the other guys who's obsessed with mary at the end so uh, there's such great setup with these characters where it is a surprise ending and there's no like people try to say with the sixth sense oh yeah i saw that coming or whatever i guarantee the majority of people who say that didn't but there's something about mary might fit in that sixth sense category mm-hmm where it's such a surprise ending that you could not have seen it coming. It's just because of how well they wrote all these characters. Absolutely. I think from that article that I I did um, hear about, I think there was an article that I did read like a couple of little paragraphs about it. And I know when they, when they originally finished the movie or when he had written, when they'd written the movie that, you know, even just things like that with working out like, okay, it was too obvious that, that, that Ben Stiller was going to end up with, you know, mm-hmm. with Mary at the end. And they will trying to find ways of, you know, so you, that's why you've got all these people, you know, you've got Woogie, you've got Tucker, you know, you've mm-hmm. got Pat Healy, you've got Brett Favre, you know. Magda's boyfriend. All these, <laughs> yeah, Magda's boyfriend. All these people, that's how they, you're talking about how well they set it up. Like when they rewrote it, they talked about like it was too obvious and they, they made some changes and you don't, you don't know who's going to end up with them at the end, mm-hmm. obviously. And, and, and you certainly don't know that, 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 that Dom ends up being, Woogie, you know, mm-hmm. Woogie, the, the, the creep that they'd been basically talking about right from the start of the movie, you know, when, when the flashbacks. The police interrogation scene here, too, is another one of the highlights, I think. Um, Th- these the- two actors, now, they, obviously, one guy's from the villain in Kindergarten Cop, isn't yeah. it? which I'm assuming that Kindergarten Cop had already been made. Had yeah, Kindergarten Cop was a couple of years before this. Yeah, because I remember when seeing them, like, hey, like, that guy's from Kindergarten mm-hmm. Cop, and I've never seen him in anything else since that the other guy, though, is a Fairly Brothers favorite. He's in yeah. much all of their movies. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, I'm trying to remember who it was he played in um, uh, Dumb and Dumber. 
I'm gonna have to look yeah, it up he, here. Now he played. Didn't he play the? Did he play the boss? He played the boss of the two of the, you know, there was the chick. Oh, he was the bartender. The bar. That's right. Of course he was. Yeah, he was the, we landed on the moon scene. Yeah. She's in here all the time. What do you mean? He's like, he's like, it's it's one thirty. He's like, it's 11 o'clock. He's like, it's one thirty. Sure she didn't mean at night? Yeah, but I mean, these guys are both great here. Like they're good cop, bad cop. Um, and again, all a misunderstanding. Ben Stiller is thinks he's being questioned about a hitchhiker because the the hitchhiker, by the way, had a body in a car. Which I don't know if this trivia is true, but apparently Cameron Diaz herself said that the body that Harlan Williams carries and leaves in the car was Cameron Diaz in that 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 duffel bag. Like she herself was the stand-in for that body. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what Cameron Diaz claims. Uh, but the body bag was left in the car. So the cops think they're interrogating about that. It's like, we found your friend in the car. He goes, oh yeah, yeah, I'm sorry about that. I know it's illegal because he's responding, oh yeah, hitchhiking. I know it's illegal, but uh, you know, I, I just figured why not? And it's like, oh, so you've done this thing before? Yeah, you know, 25, 30 times. And they're thinking he's talking about murder because <laughs> he even says guilty as charged. <laughs> and like, the one cop- like, why do you do it? Yeah, goes, why do you why, do it? The cop- Boredom. Boredom. <laughs> And the guy, he just kept yammering on and on and on. <laughs> but, but this, and, and this is where, obviously, he's saying all because he thinks he's just talking about hitchhiking. And this is where, for the second time in the movie, he get, the cop's like, once again, with so much anger, he's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you're going to fry. <laughs> Slamming his head into the desk is like one of those classic shots that everybody knows from the movie, too. Um, but uh, just to cap off the last thing here about uh, Ben Stiller, uh, the next morning... The, the, again, the, the slow reveals in this that, that make it funnier, the the lawyer or judge or whoever it is, is reading the statement on behalf of the entire state of South Carolina, we apologize for uh, the misunderstanding or whatever. And then they just cut to Ben Stiller in bed being cuddled by this big muscular prisoner <laughs> as oh. the prisoner's like, oh, it's realized he has to leave. <laughs> and then they all, they all clap him out as he... As he yeah, yeah, the applause. <laughs> Uh, now, while this is all going on, there were a couple of little scenes that go back and forth with um, with Healy and Mary. Uh, basically, just more of him spying on her and listening in on conversations. This is where Harold and Maude was mentioned. I love Magda's line. We barely talked about Magda yet, but like Magda, uh, this this really gross looking old lady uh, <laughs> having this line where the, which Mary's asking, "Have you ever seen this movie, Harold and Maude, which is well before my time?" And she's, "No, I don't like the new ones." <laughs> like, okay, this movie's twenty years old. She's calling it the new ones, uh, but uh, he's going to use this as ammunition when he talks about the classic movies. Mentioning last week's recap, the Karate Kid in there as well, which is great. How good was that? When I heard that, I was like, "How good is that?" Obviously, yeah. you've just done it with Billy the Karate Kid. But Harold and Maude, have you? I don't know. Has your Oz Network ever covered Harold and Maude? Have you ever watched? I've the movie? never even seen Harold and Maude. No. I think. So, uh, I'm a big movie buff, so I had uh, gotten a, a couple of books years ago that were sort of like history of movies, and one of them was like Academy Awards history, and one of them was the history of box office. So every year they run through, these are all the top grossing movies. And in one of those books, it mentions Harold and Maude, and I guess it's just supposed to, I thought Harold and Maude was supposed to be about like an older lady with a younger guy. It is, it is. So basically, I've never seen it, but when I heard, when I heard, I was like, of course, you Google it, read it up about it, and yeah, it's basically about like a, a young guy, I think, who's got a few, might be a few in uh, 
issues. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure. They might, but, um, and then he obviously, yeah. And then this is Maud, I'm guessing is, is, is this really older lady and they end up, um, getting getting together i guess and and mm-hmm. I, like i've like i said i've never seen the movie but it's basically a, a love story but about you know this, this young bloke or young basically you know 20 or something and, and, mm-hmm. and this really old lady so look it's probably not something i'm going to put on top of my list to be honest yeah. <laughs> and probably not one that i might and might not listen to if you ever cover it on the oz network but uh, <laughs> But it's funny. here you've got this Pat Healy character. This is what makes it so good. You've got this Pat Healy character making out that, hey, this is one of the one of the classics. It's one yeah. of my favorite movies. Yeah, and then when she starts talking about it, it's one of the all-time greatest, and he finishes her sentence, greatest love stories. <laughs> <laughs> he is really, like, he's not smooth in a way where, you know, anybody would fall for him, but, like, he's good at what he does in this movie. Like, again, I really believe his con games in this, uh, the way that he kind of finishes the sentences. Uh, but the second part of this is that the, uh, well, he also gets his teeth capped because as mm. she's meeting with Tucker, uh, Tucker is just playing a joke with uh, what looks like popsicle sticks or whatever uh, yeah. in his mouth. And she's been just like, Oh, I would love a man with nice cap teeth. So he actually does this thinking that she was real. Cause he was only listening to the conversation, but Tucker's trying to warn Mary off of him. I think this is the first moment where mm. maybe I started to suspect Tucker just because not just because he's on to Healy, but the little thing with him dropping. No, I got to do it myself. Yeah. Trying to pick it up, which is great, you know, physical comedy there. Uh, but then the friends are talking down Healy. So now Healy's game's falling apart because all of her friends are saying like, you know, oh, there's something wrong with this guy or whatever. Uh, and um, he is about to get it blown that he's not uh, the um, architect or whatever, because uh, this is what Tucker has basically said. And he realizes he has to now cover for that story. So he goes in and he completely owns up to this. So I just didn't think you would ever fall for a guy who in the Peace Corps or whatever. Uh, and he's on the phone. This is the other scene with Jeffrey Tambor yes. where they have it scripted. And he's talking about Freddie the leper in Calcutta. Uh, <laughs> and then when the dog starts eating and Jeffrey Tambor has to start just going off script. Yeah. He's saying things like, you know, malaria and that vicious strain of genital herpes. And Matt <laughs> and all the like, girls are like, what? Yeah. And Matt Dillon's like, yeah, it was good when I cured that guy of the general army. He's like, totally ruins his game there, but bounces back. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love all the Matt Dillon stuff here, you know, uh, especially with the, the look of him and the cap teeth. Again, there's so many iconic images of this movie. And the first reveal of him opening his mouth with those cap oh. teeth is just brilliant. And that's one one scene, absolutely. That 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 smile. He and I think it's 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 one that only Matt Dillon could almost pull off. It's such yeah. a dodgy smile, and because he already got, has like very dis- yeah. uh, noticeable he, teeth. He does, very th- like very big, very mm-hmm. big thick teeth. And then you you imagine like Captain White, <laughs> and he opens the button. You can tell she's put off by it. She's like, what the hell? But so is this the scene that you're saying that in the in the edited version there's a, a longer scene? Is it like with no? The- well, there's another scene that's in between. I'll I'll, I'll get to we'll get to the end and I'll, I'll okay. kind of explain because it's kind of it runs along with a joke that's left in the movie that doesn't make sense without that extended scene. Which again, I have to see now just because of how absurd it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, so basically, um, they have a montage here of Matt Dillon and uh, Mary getting along and dating and everything. And uh, my favorite uh, bit in here, there's a couple of things in here, but my favorite bit is where he's cheating at checkers with Warren. <laughs> Again, just showing the type of guy that he is. And he actually makes Warren pay up to him. <laughs> what a and doesn't dick. he tell him, to, where's the rest of it or something? Yeah, like, hey, where's yeah. the rest of it? <laughs> 
But it is. It's great. It shows you what what a douchebag he is. Like this, mm-hmm. he's cheating and check. Is he's he's just got no interest in. He's he's doing whatever he can to get Mary, but he's he's a douchebag. Like, even how he's playing rough with him with the when I think they're playing a bit of um NFL or whatever, you know. And and yeah, he's playing. He's just playing. <laughs> and Mary's looking like what the hell. <laughs> and and is this a. Doesn't some one of the one of them falls out of the coconut trees? Oh yeah, I missed that one then. Yeah, I think in the background when they're playing the checkers, you see someone like one of them falls out of the co- and then at the end, like he brings the coconut or something. Mm-hmm. It's something that I'd never noticed before, but yeah, and then <laughs> well, while this is all going on, this is where Ben Stiller is spying on them. So he realizes that he actually came not for Rice but to steal Mary away from him. Uh and uh um Matt Dillon, when he when he's kissing Mary, I was just it was hilarious thinking about how he was like swallowing her face. She says, "How does my stomach taste?" <laughs> it, it, this is a funny thing too because obviously, well, in this scene, obviously she ends up ditching a date with with Pat Healy to go with Pepe. Even then, you can see it with like he, I think she's starting to realize he's a bit of a he's a bit of a creep, you know, like the way he's oh yeah he's, he's shoving the the tongue down her throat, and she's like oh, and then and then of course this is where Warren spots Ted and he's yelling out Franken beans. Franken yeah, beans. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You have the Franken beans thing coming up again. <laughs> they think he's then, just hungry. <laughs> and then, of course, Warren. He, then we, Pat Healy gets a gets a, a shot to the throat because Pat yeah. Healy tries to touch Warren's ears. <laughs> you have the ears. The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that ears thing. Like again, it was important to remind you because again, this is going to be coming up later on. Well, it comes up a couple mm. times. But again, yeah. when you're watching this movie, you just think it's just a hilarious moment. Let's see this guy get punched in the throat <laughs> that the audience is waiting for. Uh, but uh, uh, Chris <laughs> Elliott... This is another thing I was going to say, because obviously Dom, so Woogie, is here again. But see, at this stage, like when I'm watching this movie for the first time, I'm not knowing that Dom is, you know, is Woogie. Mm-hmm. So, but as you watch it so many times, you realise, like, it, obviously... You, Mary never sees Dom at this stage because they're both there behind the tree. Mm-hmm. Dom is the one that yells at Mary and then he disappears. Yeah. And then the whole scene is just Mary and Ted. So all these little things, which is, I think makes, it makes it so good, especially when you're watching it for the first time, you're mm-hmm. not putting two and two together. You're not putting that, Hey, Dom's deliberately. He's setting to up. Avoid Mary. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like he's doing two things here. He doesn't want to be seen and he's making sure to set up Ben Stiller so that he could ruin him later on, <laughs> which again, the audience is not going to be thinking because what we're going to be getting with Tucker and uh, Healy in a second. But I, again, visual is so good with Ben Stiller, like how he can play physical comedy without it being too over the top. Like, like you, I I'm a big fan of Jim Carrey, but like they're two completely different styles. Mm-hmm. Jim Carrey is like way over the top physical comedy. And Ben Stiller is like, let me do the smallest thing. The way that he sort of drops down and he's hiding. And then he realizes, no, I got nowhere to hide. So he just sort of peeks his head up and he's like, Mary. <laughs> and, and then even when he's still lying, as he's talking to her, he's still lying down. Like yeah. He's still, still the whole time. <laughs> and then he finally gets up. Yeah. Oh. And then the fact that Warren recognizes them, like, again, that's very important for how you're going to accept uh, them ending up together in the end. Mm-hmm. Because the ending is scripted in a way where it, it, they still find a way to surprise you, but you completely accept it. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, he's trying to kind of ask her out again. And now she hasn't mentioned she's going out with another guy, but of course he knows it's Healy at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, yeah. So I love that uh, she's like, oh, you know, I got plans tonight. Like, or you could blow off that other jerk and go out with me instead, <laughs> which she does. Because like you mentioned, yeah. she hasn't found out the whole serial killer thing yet. Uh, but she's all, there has to already be a point where she's slightly turned off from Healy. And that's why that whole, how does my stomach taste thing? Like you realize she's starting to realize he is a little bit of a douche here. Uh, but and, we all, and another class, uh, you go. 
I was going to say, we also find out, if, funny enough, in this same scene, uh, we find out about the name change thing, why nobody could mm-hmm. find her in the first place, because she mentions that there was a guy she almost got married to, uh, and he was a big stalker, so yeah, she had to change her name to get away from him, which is obviously going to be the setup for Woogie's story. One of the classic lines, too, it's just a little one. It's almost a bit of a throwaway line, but when she asks him, she says, how's everything? And then she sort of pauses. Oh, yeah. Like, everything. <laughs> ben Stiller, this is where he, he, this is what makes him such such a good actor. He's like, yeah, fine. Yeah, I was, I was in and out of hospital in a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> in, and, in and out of hospital in a couple of weeks. That's, I, uh, it reminds me of, uh, are you a fan of Home Alone? I am. Yeah, I am. Cool. Yeah. The, the line where John Candy's mentioning about his son being left to the funeral home. He's like, but he was all right. You know, uh, you know, three, four weeks, he started talking again. <laughs> oh, it, 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 Ben still, it, it, it is a great line. I, I actually rewound it and watched, listened to that again. Cause this is the way, the way he delivers it. Is that, mm-hmm. Like when you think, oh, in and out, you think it's just like, a, oh yeah, they yeah. fixed it. You know, it's a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she does agree to go out with him and, uh, after this happens, this is where she finds out where Tucker shows up. And this is where you know Tucker is definitely not who he, you think he is. Because he goes and he, he says, I found out more information about this Healy guy. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's a serial killer. And I never connected all the dots where he's talking about all the people he's killed and the places he's been. Uh, apparently, they just took Ted Bundy's history and wrote it here as Healy. <laughs> this, they, they basically completely run down the entire criminal history of Ted Bundy and pig it on Pat Healy here. <laughs> nice little in-game. Oh, I never knew that. So that's, oh, I, 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 that's my, brilliant. My mom passed away a couple of years ago, but I mean, I, I don't think she ever watched this movie, but my mom is such a true crime buff that I guarantee if she had watched this movie, she'd be like, no way, that's Ted Bundy. Like she would have picked up on all those little details. But again, they write jokes in here that are going to be funny for all the audience. They're going to write jokes that are going to be funny for guys in their 30s, other jokes yes. that are going to be funny for guys who are 15, 16 years old. And then they write jokes that are going to be funny for nobody unless you are a massive true crime buff. And I'm yeah. sure that there are those people who are going to be like, that's Ted Bundy. And it's still, it's still great. Well, like you said before with um, the, the the random names of uh, the, the the Shea guy or whatever, when yeah. you find out, you're kind of in on that in joke and it becomes funny yeah. from that point on. But yeah, how, how funny would it be? Like they must have been having an absolute laugh when they're sitting back writing this script and coming up with these little extra things. And they're like, okay, we're going to come up with a, a fake rap ship sheet. And they're like, yeah, this, this Ted Bundy's rap sheet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you can't tell, like this when they come up with this stuff. You'd love to be in the room when they're coming up with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, obviously, Mary's going to completely buy this. And uh, we immediately find out. Now, again, good reveal because they never want the audience to be ahead of them. They, they want you to figure it out just in time. And yeah. the same thing is going to happen with Woogie later on. But when Tucker tells the story, like I said, that's when you realize, okay, he's obviously playing some type of con game as well. And as soon as he goes aside, you see him ditch the crutches in the car and Healy's following him. Cause he overheard the conversation. Uh, and later when he catches up with him, he's delivering a pizza uh, and Healy attacks him and he this is, says, I'm a pizza boy. And I love his, his accent here is, I love her, man. <laughs> like, the polar opposite of what Tucker was. And what's yeah. funny about this is Lee Evans is British in real life. So this is him putting on an accent. But the funny thing is apparently even with Tucker, they wanted it to sound more fake. They hired a British actor that said, you need to sound fake British. So he said, I'm going to do the most exaggerated British accent ever. So Lee Evans here is doing two completely different accents, neither of which are his, and he's totally convincing as both. Yeah, he's brilliant, isn't he? Because 
when he still tries, because he tries to still keep it going for a bit. And then obviously when he realizes he, um, uh, Pat Healy knocks him down or whatever. Ah, and shows him the, the ID card, which the long hair and all that. We find <laughs> yeah. out later that he sort of mentions about cutting his hair later on. But yeah, um, but yeah it, look, I, I got to admit, like when I would have seen this movie for the first time, I wouldn't have seen that coming. I like, and that's yeah. what, obviously there's, they're setting so many things up for the payoffs towards the end of the movie. But like, I never saw this coming that this guy wasn't real. But all of a sudden, like, oh shit, he's just a pizza delivery driver. Now he's talking in a different accent. Now, mm-hmm. you know, he basically just, He's a loser, you know, like yeah. he's just, you know, but one minute you think he's this big high up architect guy. And then, yeah, oh, it, it, the, it, and you're right. To, to, to be able to do two completely different accents and and it, and, it, and it not sound weird. You know, some, you hear some of these actors, they do these bloody accents and they're mm. terrible, like especially Aussie accents. I mean, <laughs> yeah. being, Aussie, being Aussie myself, like I've heard some dreadful ones, absolutely dreadful. And you're like, wow, they've just butchered it. And who knows? I don't know if, he, if he is butchering. I mean, we well, said he's British anyway, but like, because mm-hmm. the original one he's doing is a real pompous sort of real pompous yeah. British accent, you know. Um, but yeah, and in the end, you find out he's just a, a pizza. And the name's Norm. I'm a pizza yeah. delivery guy. <laughs> Norm. And then uh, when, when he says, "Oh, you know, what about the whole Santiago thing or whatever?" It's like, "I've uh, I haven't been to who goes to Santiago twice in a year." It's like, "I've never even been to Jersey." <laughs> um. So they're going to kind of form this little buddy duo thing here for the rest of the movie. Uh, there's a couple scenes where they just sort of are plotting what they're going to do, who's going to get married. Uh, now we have the clean the pipe scene. Uh- <laughs> oh, so good. I've been waiting, Colin, I've been waiting for this scene. Is this, is this one of the most, okay, is this, would you say, before we even talk about it, would you say this is the one one of the most memorable scenes of all time in, in, oh, in yeah. cinema history. Yeah. yeah, hands down. Like I said, they're, they're, everybody's going to know the zipper scene. Everybody's going to know the um, the dog. But this scene, you don't have to see the movie. You know everything no. about it. It's kind of like I've, I've never seen uh, When Harry Met Sally. But there's mm. the scene in the, the, the restaurant or whatever, the fake orgasm, that you know it 100%. And this is that scene in this movie. I mean, th- just the visual of her hair, everybody immediately connects and they know what it is. Can I just say, Colin, this is why you're the host of this show. Like, that is the perfect example. I'm the same. Never seen the movie. Yeah. But that scene, I know exactly what it's from. Perfect yeah. example. Yeah. And I mean, this scene, I think this is part one of the reasons why I, you know, kind of ignored the movie for several years afterwards, because everyone would just be like, oh, the hair gel, the hair gel. I'm like, yeah, it was a joke in the movie. But like, you know, <laughs> it's 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 bigger than the movie itself. I mean, the people who haven't seen this movie know the hair gel scene, but again, it works so well. When I rewatch this, I'm like, the scene is absolutely hilarious because they hide it so well. They set it up so well. You know, the, the you, you know, he's masturbating and then he's looking around for everything. And Benzo's expression alone is so funny, but, but they find a way to hide the one ear that it's mm. hanging on without it being obvious. They're hiding that. So that when she says, is that hair gel, the audience gets the first glimpse of it after she said it which i think is part of why this joke plays so perfectly i think what too about the scene is obviously that's the the big scene like that's the one everyone remembers and of course the next scene when they're at dinner in it and it's like obviously spiked right up and she doesn't realize but i think just as memorable and, and it's lines that i've used many a times to this day is obviously when dom's giving him advice about not going out with a loaded gun you know like yeah. he, he's like you, you know go clean the pipes and uh, we'll get going and he's like and ben still had like ted he has no idea we'll clean the pipes with you to me he's like don't tell me you don't choke the chicken before a big date <laughs> and he's like no he's like 
you telling me you don't spank the monkey before a big date? He's like, no. He's like, he's like, oh my god. He's like you don't, like, you don't flog the dolphin before. That a big was my date. favorite. He's like flog the yeah, dolphin. Flog the dolphin. He's like, and he's like the way he says this. I love the way he delivers this. Line. He's like, are you crazy? Yeah. He's like, he's like, <laughs> he's like, that's what he says. That's like going out with a loaded gun. And and, and, and doesn't Ben Stiller saying he, he, he sits there and he's like, geez. I've been going out with a loaded gun. Yeah. Like he's, he's, starting to, he's starting to realize, like, he's sinking. He's like, oh, my God, like, all this time. He goes, he goes this is why I'm oh. single at 30. <laughs> he's like, and then, and then Dom's like, you got the baby batter on the brain. That shit will fuck you up. That shit will fuck you up. You know, he's like, he's like, he's like, man, he says something, he says something like, you know, the most honest moment in a man's life is that three minutes after sex. And he's like, you know why? He goes, because they're thinking like a woman. Yeah. And then, and then, <laughs> He's like, and then, and then and that's I think when Ten's like, holy shit, I've been going out with a load of gun. And then Dom finishes off by saying, he goes, people get hurt that way. Yeah. <laughs> people get hurt that way. I love that line just at the end, just to top it off, making out like, yeah, like how what do you, and then of course that's when he's he's in the bathroom, obviously masturbating well, to the to the to, to what is it to like a, the Brazil? It's, it's like yeah, it's like the bra section of the news. Like, there's nothing else there. It's a newspaper advertising bras. It's not even like lingerie or anything really sexy. It's just bras. <laughs> okay, that's but you know it's because we're going. But even just that scene, it just prior to even obviously, obviously that's all a lead up to the whole big payoff of the the you know the semen on his on his ear and then mm-hmm. Cameron Diaz putting it in the hair, but. I mean, this is stuff like as a guy and especially like as a teenage guy, like people can relate to this. Like this is Dom saying, like, you know, in all seriousness, he's saying like, you know, like you've got a big date, like you're going to go flog the dolphin. Like <laughs> it's just stuff, it's stuff that guys can relate to. And I think that's what makes it so funny. Well, that first part of the scene, I think is what I always forgot about it. So when for years, everybody would talk about the hair gel scene and I just like, okay, okay. Like the movie's overrated. It's because nobody's talking about everything surrounding it. And that, that mm. first half of the scene is just as funny. You, you get the visual gag of her slicking the hair and it's stuck up the whole date, you know, it magically comes down. We never find out how maybe that's in the extended cut as well. I don't know, but, uh, but th- it's, it's everything around that scene that makes it so brilliant. It's Ben Stiller's reactions. It's, it's the Dom's over the top flogging the dolphin and his, his vocabulary and selling it. That's what makes this scene so brilliant. Yeah. I mean, Colin, you've seen a, a heap of movies. There's obviously there's this certain lines out of movies that they stick with you and you'll just find mm-hmm. yourself over the years. You, you just, you, you bring them out in conversations as a joke. And like that line about, Oh, that's how people get hurt. Or like, that's <laughs> a line that I still, like that's in my, in my back, you know, in my list of lines that I use from movies, you know, mm-hmm. that's people get hurt that way, you know, like it's because, and, and like you said, it's not even the main part of this scene, but it's, it's the way they sell it and the mm-hmm. lead up to it. Like this is two guys, one guy, you know, this this guy that he still thinks Ted's best friend. He's living this great life. He's a, you know, great wife and all that. But he and he's teaching him, you know, you're about to go on a date. Like, get prepared, you know. Like, yeah. And it's oh, yeah, that's this thing too. Like, as a, as a guy and especially as a teenage guy watching this movie, it's just so relatable. Mm-hmm. Now, also the fact that Chris Elliott's hives are getting out of control and he's blaming it on the heat and the humidity too. You know, there's something else going on here. <laughs> It, it, I love how it's just suddenly over the movie, it's just getting worse and worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and later on, he's going to, because I know I'm going to forget it later on, because I don't think I noted it. It says, uh, who, who has a white head on their eyeball? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, but uh, when they go out on the date here, you know, obviously Mary's got the hair slicked up, but you do see, you do see Woogie sort of glancing around the corner. So again, you're starting to suspect that there's something up with him, but there's going to be other characters that you won't get later on for. Uh, but uh 
we get a, again really clever writing and how this is shot how expertly the plot is executed to leave things for surprise later on uh when mary and um uh ted are just sort of talking and she sort of mentions uh this guy brett or whatever and she's telling the story but it's all off camera so when they come back she hasn't told the story because again they want to leave this surprise to the because obviously he had to know that this was brett Favre. so mm. they they left it as a surprise to the audience but it's told off camera but all this cutting back and forth between Healy and Tucker doing their whole scam. That's a good way to cover it. Uh, now, the second part of this that's funny is the uh, trivia bit here. The whole uh, meat uh, on a cone thing. They need to have more meats on a cone. And then Ben Stiller is like, I want more meats uh, on other. She's talking about meats on a stick and he's talking about meats in a cone. Now, the Fairley Brothers had actually written for Seinfeld before they got into movies. And I didn't even realize, but now it makes total sense. They wrote this as a joke in a Seinfeld episode that got cut from the episode, the whole meat on a stick, meat in a cone thing. And they loved it so much that, that years later, they're talking about it. Like, let's include it in this something about Mary. It'll just fit the scene here. Now that I know that, all I can hear is Jerry Seinfeld's voice here talking to George Costanza, because this is guaranteed nothing about this has changed from Seinfeld. Like, you never see much about uh, meats and cones. I want more meats and cones. Like this is a Seinfeld joke. Like I, I totally can see it now. That, that, that's gold. Like I'm, I'm a big Seinfeld guy. So I, I didn't actually know that the Farrelly brothers. So they, they actually wrote for Seinfeld, did they? Yeah, they did the, uh, you know, the episode, I think it's the episode about the, the Virgin. If you know that one. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I've seen them all. I, I would, I would know it, uh... it. One of the more famous episodes. That's kind of the big one they're known for, but yeah, before they did dumb and dumber, they, they were writers on Seinfeld. Yeah. Gold, gold. Yeah. And that, 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 these guys, like I could just, I could just, I could imagine there'd be a hoot to actually meet these Farrelly brothers. Oh, yeah. you could just imagine that this is something that they clearly wanted to use either in a TV or movie. Mm-hmm. And, and they, that, they've obviously thought it was going to be funny. And they, they just, you know, like you could easily just, forget about it and move on where these guys are still going back. Well, we didn't get it in Seinfeld. We're going to chuck it in this movie. So yeah, it's, it's, they're obviously that's their type of humor. I think that's what makes it funny. Like I know with my brothers, like we've got our sort of set humor that we have. And Mm -hmm. I could imagine if, if we're writing a movie together, we would be doing similar things like, Oh, remember that? Like we want to get this in the movie. And if it like, if you can't get it in this one, let's try to get it. You, You wouldn't give up on it. You know, you'd be like, okay, let's try to get it in the next one. Yeah. That's what, sometimes Ben and I have running jokes on here that only we laugh at because we're just waiting for somebody to listen to one of our episodes that'll actually laugh at. You know what? We'll get it in the next one, okay? <laughs> um, now, what Healy and Tucker are actually doing is they're trying to sabotage the opposite of what Healy did with uh, with Puffy here uh, for Ted when he gets back. So they're basically throwing speed through the window for the dog. Now, Magda and the dog consume this. So when Ted and Mary come back, Magda is running all around the apartment vacuuming. She's high on speed. And they say, can you let Puffy out? And then he's just hearing the banging behind the door. And again, it's almost played like a horror movie. We slowly approach him. What type of dog is it again? Oh, it's a border terrier. He's like, oh, you're like this banging. And then he opens the door and just the way it's like, hey, little puppy. Like he's getting all up in the face, all cutesy. And the dog just attacks him. Now, if I had to pick the absolute hardest that I laughed in this movie. Like when I originally saw it, it was this scene. And there's one moment that I can, sometimes I can visualize being in a theater and what the entire crowd's reaction was. One of the big moments I always talk about here was uh, seeing star Wars episode two, the first time. And when Yoda pulls out his lightsaber, just hearing this roar, this eruption of people cheering in a theater, this is kind of the comedy equivalent of that. So a couple of things happen here. That's great. When Ben Stiller puts the dog in a headlock, (laughs) he's (laughs) ramming its head. Um, 
him going through the table and all that. But it's the moment where he he takes his two fingers out to give the three stooges poke in the eyes and the dog's paw comes up to block it. Now that one moment, bigger than anything else in this movie, that killed when I saw this in the theater. I would say twice as much laughter as any other joke in this movie. It was just like people in tears, just the image of that dog blocking it. But I mean, this entire fight scene is so big. It's so over the top and it's clearly a fake dog. I can't remember what it was. We covered a movie recently where we were talking about, there was a fight scene obviously with like a stuffed dummy. And then the fact that you knew it was stuffed made it funnier. It, it looks convincing, but it's also, you know, it's fake. And I, it's, I, I can't even talk. I mean, I, I just want to watch this scene right now. It's so brilliant. <laughs> So obviously there's tons of stuff here, the headlocks, nut biting, <laughs> eye poking. It all ends with the dog flying out the window, which again, just brilliant editing in this movie too. The fact that they cut from the dog flying out the window and this shock look on Ben Stiller's face to the next shot, him carrying the dog in a full body cast, uh, which another one of my favorite gags in this movie is where he just puts the dog on top of the car and they drive away. And then they cut to them pulling up wherever their destination was. And he gets out and realizes the dog's been on the top of the car the whole time. And he's got like, oh, what am I going to do? And he just picks up and pretends he's taking it out of the backseat. I just love that. Uh, there's uh, another part of this montage where they're go-karting. I think there's a couple things in here. But this is the, the opposite of the montage with Healy earlier on, where everything that him and Mary are doing together, you just realize, man, he's a real dick. Here, he's just doing everything right. Uh, they're, obviously, my favorite part, because it results in a person getting caught on fire, is uh, where Warren is in the go-kart, and the thing uh, explodes, and he gets around, and his back's engulfed in flames. Of course, I was going to love that. But uh, yeah, this, this whole, despite the fact that the dog freaks out, uh, Mary still falls for him, and we get a nice little montage here. It, yeah, it, it, you're right. It, you're spot on about how you said like Ted's doing everything right. Like obviously mm-hmm. they're getting the costumes and then oh like the costumes, he, yeah. <laughs> they get in the costume and and, and then because Warren points to, him, he's like, oh the costume. And then was it like the pink, some sort of pink costume, like a pink superhero they, or something? Yeah. So they go in and then of course then Warren comes out and he's doing like the airplane <laughs> with it. And then and then as he, and he then he sees the one next to it, which is like the cowboy. So then they go back and then next second Ted's wearing the pink costume and and then and then, and then he, Warren's got the cowboy outfit with the... But talking about that dog center, you're right. Like that is one of the most memorable scenes. It's such a good scene. But that the bit I like about that whole scene, you got the jumping out the window, all that stuff, but just the way Ben Stiller does it where you can hear you hear the dog making the noise, it's locked in the bathroom or whatever. Yeah. And and uh, I think, did he say, well, what, what type of dog? Because obviously it's making a lot of noise. Like, what, mm-hmm. what type of dog is it? And they're like, oh, just a, you know. Border terrier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Border terrier. He's like, oh. And then so he goes in and, and then the, but the dog's, it's not at the door anymore. It's all the way at the back. You know, yeah. it's at the back. And um, and it's just sitting there, like looking all cute. And then the way, <laughs> the way, the way Ben still is like, he sort of like bends down to it. Like, it's almost like it's a baby. Like, oh, yeah. Could you, could is you, could you, you make, is that you making all that noise? Or the... And then, of course, the next second, the border terry just like jumps up <laughs> and like on the neck. And then, of course, that goes into everything what you just said. But that line, like, just that, the, that's a classic Ben Stiller sort of scene, yeah. isn't it? Where he's sort of like, oh, you cute doggy doggy doggy. Next second, yeah, like it all goes wrong. Like everything's always going wrong for this block. Yeah. Yeah. Even though he is the one nice guy in the movie, the one doing yeah. everything right. But it's also important that uh, like they their sabotage worked uh, of let's put speed on the dog because if the dog hates him, then Mary shouldn't trust him. But it's it's really important again for the end of this movie. The fact that even after this happens, Mary's still in love with Ted. And, you know, I don't think the ending would be believable without that as well. Mm. There's another bit, too. I think it's um, just before that Tucker and 
and pat um throw throw the drugs throw the tablets in to obviously make the dog all hypo that's when they're, they're sitting back watching mary and ted and uh it's a, it's a classic line it's like i think tucker's like oh he's he, he, he's Oh, he's such a stalker. Like they, they, these oh, are the yeah. two biggest stalkers of the world. They <laughs> actually think he's a stalker. <laughs> they think he's such a stalker. And then Pat Healy's like, yeah, it makes me sick. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line because they're the biggest stalkers of them all. Yeah, yeah. Just anytime Ben Siller can be abused by people who are way worse than him. <laughs> oh, so good. Uh, so basically the, uh, the end section of the movie here is uh mary opens a letter and ted comes in and when she reads this letter you realize it's somebody saying hey he'd hired this private investigator healy is the private investigator everybody's been lying to you now she freaks out he tries to explain himself but she freaks out and kicks him out or whatever uh and he's gonna go from here to find healy and tucker so this is where the that deleted scene comes in with jeffrey tambor's character sully so apparently he had a much bigger role in the movie almost all of it was cut out except for the two scenes we saw the one where he's on the phone and the one where he picks him up but his backstory is he's supposed to be this washed out former cop who basically uh, washed out because he was an alcoholic and a drug addict but he was reformed he'd gotten his life together and ever since working with healy again he gets hooked on drugs again and becomes a drunk which explains, you know, his behavior in some of the latest scenes when he's in his apartment lounging in his underwear and all that. Uh, but in the process of this, he has a pet python in his house. And I'll, I'll spoil it. If people don't want to have this spoiled, well, too late. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Tambor gets eaten by his pet python and dies. And when they go into his house, when, when Healy and Tucker walk in there and they're saying, Sully, Sully, where are you? And then Healy's sort of smelling, what does that smell? And Tucker's like, hey, nice place. The smell's supposed to be that he's dead. This python ah. had eaten him. But it's all cut out of the movie. The only evidence of it is him sniffing, saying, what is that smell? And the fact that we never see Sully again. Uh, but that's insane. This, this exists. There's a version out there. I'm like, we got to come back next week and cover that just for the deleted scenes. <laughs> but, okay, so I had no idea this. For starters, I had no idea this deleted scenes were, mm. you know, was able to be watched. I, didn't, I had no idea. But it, it makes sense now because... Actually, when I was taking notes for this movie, when because it almost got me thinking, like when when obviously um, Pat Healy and Tucker walk in and, and Ted's hiding. At first, I'm like, where are they? Like, whose place yeah. are they at? And then and then you start you start hearing uh, Pat Healy calling out for his friend. And then you, yeah, and it doesn't make sense because the, the house is all sort of disheveled. There's bottles everywhere. It's a, mm-hmm. and then they talk about the smell. But yeah, obviously now that <laughs> makes sense. And now I want to watch this part, this this deleted scene. <laughs> so it you is... haven't okay. So you haven't seen it yet. No, no. And actually, uh, funny. I I don't own a copy of this movie yet. I've always just sort of watched it was on TV, watched it was on Netflix or whatever. And I was having trouble finding because I checked all of our streaming sites: Amazon Prime, Netflix, Crave. And even the Disney Plus here in Canada, they have like this add-on that shows stuff that's not officially Disney. Uh, and I couldn't find it anywhere. So I had found a version online, which was the the uh, uncut version. And I put it in my Amazon cart and I was ready to order it when my wife was like, hey, you know why you can't find the movie? Casper, our son, had switched to his profile on my phone on Disney Plus, And that's not going to show up on a kid's profile. So uh-huh. I didn't buy it yet. But as soon as I read that trivia, I'm like, oh, I am. I am checking out from this card. It's still in my cart. I am getting it. So yeah. I have that version on the way and I'm going to be watching it. 
Like, and you don't know if there's any other, like, obviously with his characters, the deleted scenes, you don't know. If yeah, there's any I other. don't know what else is in there. I don't even know. I, I, I'd like to find the running time of this. Maybe I can find that uh, before the episode's over. Because Now I want to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you find your copy and then we'll come back. We'll yeah. do a redo <laughs> in a few weeks' time. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, aside from that, you know, Ben Stiller meets him at the house and he's freaking out because he thinks that they wrote this letter, uh, which of course, big surprise to the audience, they had no part in this letter. So who is this other guy? Who, who else is trying to sabotage him now? Uh, they do mention here about uh, uh, Tucker where he's like, you know, uh, I, I, th- this is how I took out Brett. And they're like, wait, 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 you are the reason Brett? Yeah, Brett would have never said any of that stuff. So now we know Brett is the good guy. Um all, while this the is way, happening, the, the, the way Tucker doesn't doesn't he say, "Oh, do goody two shoes, Brett"? Yeah, yeah like, goody two. Way, yeah, he's too much <laughs> goody two shoes for that. Yeah, <laughs> but the way he delivers it, like such a good actor. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, <sighs> and while this is happening, it's intercutting with the big climax where we find out who Woogie is because this is Chris Elliott Dom with a white head on his eyeball now <laughs> in Mary's house, and she's calling him Woogie. So realize this is the guy that she even says. I had to change my name. I had to move out of state and all that because of you. And we realized it's not just because he was this weird, crazy, obsessive boyfriend. He has a thing about shoes. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that apparently was Chris Elliott's idea. Both his hives breaking out and his obsession with shoes was something Chris Elliott sort of said, hey, can we make this part of the character? So he said, you stole all of my shoes too. Uh, so he's the real crazy psycho. I mean, even more so than Matt Dillon. He's the villain of this movie. Uh, and... They do come back to him and he's he's clutching all the shoes, which I thought was hilarious. Like, no, I'm but, taking these. But I like to, because obviously she's saying, you know, you're stealing your shoes and he tries to sort of deny it. She's like, Woogie, I caught you red-handed. Yeah. <laughs> and then it, we see it again where he's trying to take all his shoes out of the he's house. Like, I ain't leaving until I get what I want. <laughs> and then they're yeah. sticking you. <laughs> well, and everybody else is showing up at this point. So Healy and Tucker are there. And uh, um, what the big reveal of this movie is uh well first of all norm norm introduces himself to mary <laughs> realizes not tucker he tries to play it for a second where he uh, puts on the tucker accent uh but the big reveal is where um ted shows up here and he's got brett fob now this is a famous football player i mean we have obviously nfl is still a thing here in canada you know the super bowl is big but we have the canadian football league so I mean, growing up, I would know more about who are the quarterbacks for what teams in the CFL than I would the NFL. But obviously, I knew the name. I couldn't have told you who he played for. But I knew as soon as they said Brett Favre, this was a famous football player. Uh, Now, apparently, there were a couple of other quarterbacks that they had talked about putting in before and that he was the only one they could get that was available, which is going to explain one of the lines at the end of this movie. Mm, Okay, Um, But uh, I don't even know what team he played for. But again, know the name. Green Bay. I think it was Green Bay. Oh, Green Bay. Okay. So that's my wife's favorite team. Like she's more into the NFL than I am, which has more to do with the fact um, the quarterback for the green Bay Packers is a guy named Aaron Rodgers. who uh, I mean, mm. he's, he's got to be in the Henry Cavill lever level for Jamie. Uh, <laughs> she, she, she doesn't watch it for the sport. She watches it for the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. So I know the green Bay Packers for that reason. So I'll have to, I'll have to get a look up good old Brett here and see if she likes him. So I'm the sort of guy. So obviously it's getting bigger in Australia now. The NFL definitely getting bigger. But I'm the guy. I watch one one game in a year, and I can yeah. imagine you 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 know which game that is. Obviously, yeah, exactly. We get all the guys together, and and we basically you know have a big. We go out for the day, get on the drink, and 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 that's a Super Bowl. But 
you know, as far as like players go, I mean, there's a few players I know. And Brett Favre was always, it was a name that I knew. Like I love my sport, yeah. you know, all sport. And he was still a name, although I didn't like never seen him play or anything like that. I knew who he was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do like at the end of the movie, just sort of jumping ahead here where, where Ben Stiller pronounces his name. He's like Brett Favre. yeah because it's a weird spelling and i remember that growing up whenever you talk about him and the name would be dropped people would have that same stumble like so many people did that brett favre and just him throwing that in there again was great great i actually wondered if that was like a bit of a running joke like whether the some you know with commentators like did some say Favre and some say favre so like i wasn't sure with that i thought is that like a bit of an ongoing running joke where people like commentators and that pronounce his name differently i don't know I don't know if it's the thing in commentary, but I know definitely growing up, especially here in Canada, when maybe we weren't as familiar with him. Yeah, there was the same. And there's a there's a famous hockey goalie named Patrick Waugh. And he's French, but his name is spelt Roy, R-O-Y. And we have the same thing here in Canada where nobody knows how to pronounce it. They're like, it, basically you pronounce it like W-A, like Patrick Waugh, right? But here there'll be like Patrick Roy or people will try to pronounce it like Roar. Like it's just, it's one of those weird spellings of sports players. So I get the Brett Favre thing because maybe it's with our own version. Uh, but he's revealed to be the ex Brett and Ted's basically saying, Hey, you know what? Uh, you know, I want you to be happy. And this is the guy you said that it was only one thing that stood in your way. And he didn't say any of those things. Norm said it. Uh, so the end of the movie plays out like you think it's going to be happy ending Mary and Brett, which I actually think would have still made a great ending. In fact, I remember before I saw this, when I went for those several years where I hadn't watched this movie, when we were watching again, I was expecting this end to be her ending up with Brett because it is such a clever reveal that they have. And it's set up in a way where you could accept that as the ending. But the most important thing, aside from all those other things you said earlier on, but Ted's the only one who doesn't do anything wrong. Ted wanted to see Mary even when he thought that she was a deuce, deuce and a half, uh, <laughs> a real butt plug. Uh, <laughs> it's the moment here, so subtle, where he's leaving and he pulls off the headphones of Warren's by Warren, and he and Warren does not respond. Just goes by Ted. You're like, this is the guy, and and that's probably the reason Mary goes out to him. But basically, he goes out bawling, and again, Ben Stiller like brilliant that not only does he go out crying he's bawling like a baby <laughs> and she catches him as he's walking away and basically says she wants to be with him is like you don't want to be with brett Favre. and all she says is i told you before i'm a niners fan which i guess the not the quarterback of the the san francisco 49ers was the guy they originally wanted in this movie so they again a little in joke for them they're included in there uh, final little gag in the movie, of course, uh, is the singer popping up again, the narrating singer who's just there, and Magda's boyfriend taking a shotgun. What are you doing? I thought you were with me. I was only with you to get to her. That's my woman. And shooting and accidentally killing the singer. I mean, it's so over the top, so ridiculous, which is a brilliant ending to this movie. Before I even get into any of that, I just had a, you mentioned a bit there about how. Um, when when Pat Healy originally was trying to turn Ted off off chasing their Mary, I just remember because you know how he mentioned about he was she was in a uh, wheelchair. Yeah. And the second time, he's like he's like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm still going to chase their Mary. I still want to know where Mary. He's like, what roller pig? I just, yeah. I, it just came to me like what roller pig? You know, just, <laughs> but anyway, so so when you said about obviously when Brett Favre comes in on this, he says, oh yeah, I'm in town to play 
the game. So is the that Dolphins. why they got him? Is, is that actually a legit thing that he was in town and they, they've got him to, to shoot the scene? I don't know. Um, I, you know, I read the trivia on it earlier. I mean, I'll have to find it again here, maybe while you're covering the end of the movie, because there was a reason why he was the one available. I just can't remember. I'll look it up, though. With this ending, though, it, it is a great ending. Obviously, at that stage, you do think, you think genuinely that she's going to end up with Brett. You see Brett goes in they sort of kiss or whatever. And then I like how then even Woogie at that stage, he's trying to get um, Brett to sign some of, of Mary's shoes. He's like, oh, do, you, do you mind if I just get something nice for the wife? Mm-hmm. The yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then I think Mary's like, Woogie. So she's like, oh, stop, cock tease. You call her a <laughs> yeah. cock tease or something. <laughs> but yeah, but um, oh, yeah. And then, and then of course, yeah, obviously when, 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 Ted walks out and then and then Mary chases after her. You got mm-hmm. then oh you forgot your keys and then you think yeah, and then and everything. But now okay, this is something I want to talk about. So we, we haven't really covered this much through this recap. Obviously, we, we mentioned at the start you've got the the singer um, mm-hmm. who who at the start he's obviously narrating um, narrating throughout the show like uh, throughout the movie. Sorry, he pops up. Would you say about four or five times throughout the yeah, movie? Yeah, I, I think about up. that at least four times. Now, look. They probably could have done without it, to be honest. I think if you're looking at things that maybe you're a little bit annoying throughout the movie, I think, look, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's it's annoying, but in a good way. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's a different way of narrating the story of the scene. Now, I remember clearly um, in the movies watching this. Now, you know, I said at the start, like I watched this movie three times in a row, like in three different days, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday mm-hmm. when it came out. Each time in those movies, every time, because obviously people watching it, they're watching it for the first time. I'm sitting there already watched it a couple of times, but every time that that bloke gets shot at the end, the whole audience in in the movie like started clapping and cheering because <laughs> that guy was that guy was so annoying throughout the movie that obviously in the end he gets he gets shot and killed that the audience I'm like, I don't know if it was like that in Canada or whatever, but for whatever reason the Aussies hated that bloke. Wow, and and yeah, and honestly the whole theater was just like clapping and cheering the fact that that guy died at the end. And I thought it was funny because it's something that for whatever reason has always stuck with me that I, I can't really recall many movies where the audience have done that, like in in Australia. But yeah, that movie <laughs> each time, each time it was the same reaction. Yeah, no, I, I don't even remember. I always forget that they're even in the movie. Like mm. most of this, I remember because it's been a couple of years since I've seen this, but most of this I remembered. But as soon as those guys popped up, I mean, when we had the reveal of them at the beginning of the movie, it didn't even jog my memory for the end. It was just something that's it's just there, you know, but it, it's, you know, a crazy over the top ending. Um, I, I do agree with you. I, I feel like it works in the movie, but the movie would have worked just as fine without it, I think. The, the guy's name's Don, Jonathan Richmond. Apparently, he I think he's actually also does the like the music in the video and uh, in the in mm. the, the music in the in the uh, movie and everything. So, and I think he's he's actually quite a like had a good career with music and other things. But I, I actually googled him, like who is this bloke and and I actually had a bit of a read about him. But yeah, Jonathan Richmond's his name. But yeah, it's one of those ones. I think it looked the movie could have easily done with it. Maybe they should have scrapped that and kept the. The python eating scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is a payoff. You want your audience, like, to get that reaction out of the audience mm-hmm. at the end, where they're clapping and cheering for this guy to be shot. And let's be honest, that's just, it's just, it's a bit of a throwaway ending at the end. They're like, yeah. okay, this guy gets. But obviously, the Farrelly brothers, like, the fact that they they like he got killed at the end or shot, 
they obviously knew, okay, this is going to annoy people, like mm-hmm. this guy popping up throughout. That's that's the in joke. Like that's yeah, actually exactly. the in joke is these guys are so annoying that at the end, the, the audience want him to be the one that dies. Well, I think it's also important to remember, I mean, they were making a Fairly Brothers movie, but they were also branching out to do a love story. And even the tagline of this movie was like, it wasn't just the guys who brought you Dumb and Dumber and Kingpin bring you a love story. It, the tagline of this movie was warning the guys who brought you Dumb and Dumber and Kingpin are bringing you a love story. So they wanted to throw these things in there, like the, the guy serenading with the acoustic guitar so that you think, oh, it's one of these cheesy love story things. And then they'll throw a Fairly Brothers joke at you. Say, we're going to shoot him dead for no reason whatsoever, just because we can. I love every time you bring up Kingpins, because that's another line, getting Munsoned. Talking about lines, I still... I, I, am I, am I, do you do this, Colin? Like, I have all oh, these yeah. lines and I still... yeah. I, and, and I know when I say it, like I'll say it to someone, oh, you've been munsoned or whatever. And they'll look at me with the blankest <laughs> look on their face. But to me, and they'll walk away. But to me, I'm laughing my ass off inside. And they have no, they think I'm an idiot. Like, what, what the hell is this bloke saying? And it, it, it gets you, it, it doesn't matter how many times I'll say it. it it's, it's always funny. Yeah. yeah. The, the, my big one, at least for the Fairly Brothers movies, is the Dumb and Dumber, which I'm sure other people will use this one where, you know, so you're telling me there's a chance you know, when somebody's saying, I mean, no, never. <laughs> The thing about that line is you hear other people still say it. Like that yeah. is just a step. Like, you you know, I, I use that line all the time as well, but like, that's a line that I'll hear multiple people say every year, you know, oh, you're oh. telling me there's a chance, you know, we really need you to do uh, one of these with Ben because Ben is the oh. king of those. Oh, I used to quote this line all the time. The difference is you're mentioning funny lines that could be used. Ben will be mentioning like quotes from the Tomb Raider movies. We're like, who quotes this? I mean, nobody's ever going to get it. And they're not even good lines in the first place, Ben. Oh. God. But yeah, I, I, and I like the just I like the the lines from the big movies, but the obscure ones, just the ones that like mm. they're not necessarily the biggest line in the movie, but yeah. they just yeah, whatever reason they like the Nepalese coins and all that <laughs> stuff. Like it never it never gets old. <sighs> uh, now, just wrapping a couple things up here. Uh, so we'll get to let's do box office first here because you already mentioned how big this movie was. Uh, fourth highest grossing film worldwide in 1998. Uh, third highest grossing domestically in North America. The only things that outgrossed this, as you mentioned, was Saving Private Ryan and Armageddon. Uh, this movie made $175 million domestically uh, worldwide. This thing is like, you couldn't make $369 million today as a comedy <laughs> worldwide, I feel like. Not just during the pandemic, but I mean, it's it was unheard of. I'm, I'm pretty sure this was the highest grossing comedy of all time, maybe second only to Home Alone, uh, mm-hmm. at the time in 1998 and it probably stood there until the hangover because i do remember when the hangover came out and became such a big thing all the comparisons were to this is like there's something about mary all over again mm-hmm. uh but opening weekend though this is the weird thing you go through the weekend this came out july 17th number one movie at the box office the mask of zorro okay that's a big movie number two movie lethal weapon four number three movie armageddon there's something about mary only opened at number four with $13 million. Mm. But this was the movie that wouldn't go away. It's yeah. second weekend. It was still number four. It's third weekend. Yeah. It was number three, number four, number four, number three, number two, number one. So in its eighth week of release, it hit number one and stayed there for a couple of weeks. Uh, this movie just had so much buzz. And uh, I mean, you saw it three times in a week. Uh, do you remember this sort of being a thing where it stuck around the theaters? Did you ever go back more after that? No, I mean, obviously yeah, three was enough at the theater but i mean this was i mean i think because it gets people talking yeah people were talking about 
the, the obviously the 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 hair scene for ages. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, and I think that's what why you said that this movie was a movie that wouldn't go away. It just stuck around because, you know, you start talking about this movie about you know the, the scene with the dog, the scene you know the scene with the hair, all these scenes. People are like, oh, that sounds interesting. They go and watch it. You know, th- mm-hmm. this is why. It was it was actually getting bigger as time was as word of mouth was going around. Like, hey, this is because what we we said this at the start. These weren't actors that were household names. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm putting myself back in 15 year old Matt Dyson land. Like, I don't think I knew who Ben Stiller was. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I had seen Reality Bites back then, or you know, and, and um, I, you know, I yes, okay, I knew I knew who Cameron Diaz was from The Mask, but. That was the only movie I'd ever seen her in. I, sh- I certainly didn't know who Matt Dillon was. Like, mm-hmm. these are actors that, like, I wasn't going there just for these actors. You're not telling people, oh, hey, there's this new Ben Stiller movie. Yet. You, you're basically just saying, hey, this movie is absolutely classic. Go watch it because you'll have a bloody laugh and it's a great movie. And mm-hmm. that's obviously what happened with everyone and, and why it stuck around. I, I think what shows how good this comedy movie was, like, I've got a list here of, of, of some other comedy movies that were out in 98, like the wedding... Like, Adam Sandler had a big year in 98. He had oh, The yeah. Wedding Singer and the, and the Waterboy. So two big movies in 98. The Wedding Singer, obviously this, you know, that's a cult classic, absolutely. Box office, 123 million. It had a similar budget on about 18 million. You've got The Waterboy, it, it was 190 million on the exact same budget. So it had a 23 million budget and, and, and it grossed 190 million. <laughs> you know, what... what Something about Mary grossed 369 yeah. million. Like that's a big difference on the exact same budget. And I mean, The Water Boy is a, is a, is a movie that a lot of people have seen. And Rush that was Hour. PG too. That didn't have the yeah. restriction of there's so many you know yeah. young people who can't even go to this. You know, Rush Hour. Obviously, I mean, there's oh, not yeah. many people our age that hasn't seen Rush Hour. I mean, that grossed 244 million. That's it. But it had a bigger budget. It was a, a, a budget between 33 and 35 million. And another comedy I brought up there was a Night at the Roxbury, which is um, mm. it was a flop actually. It was only it was 30 million and only um, sorry, it, it grossed 30 million and it, and it had a budget of 17. So it wasn't a flop, but it, it did make some money. But like nowhere near anything like something about Mary. And obviously that had Will Ferrell in it, but. This, I mean, I think that list there shows how big this movie was mm-hmm. in, in 98. It was a phenomenon. Like, you couldn't go anywhere without talking about it. And the, the other movie that came out there, like Armageddon and Saving Private Ryan, I mean, those movies dominated the box office from the beginning and never went away. I mean, something about Mary worked its way up. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that every single week I remember here, more and more people were talking about it. I think it, it, partly it was because it was a movie that caught people off guard. It didn't have that name value of the actors, the Fairley brothers, you know, were still just coasting on dumb and dumber, which was several years earlier in Kingpin people enjoyed it. that saw it, but it didn't really have a big audience and it, it catches you off guard. If you have a movie where if you release this now, everybody knows Cameron Diaz, Ben Stiller, you're going to have people who are like, well, I expected more, but nobody really had expectations going into this. I think that's one of the reasons why everybody sort of walked out and said, you have to see this movie. It's way better than it should have been. And I guess, is that why, you mentioned it, you know, until Hangover came over that with, with the amount of money it grossed and everything. I mean, Hangover was very similar. You've got yeah. these big actors that no one really knew at the time, and they've been in a heap of movies since. But I would almost put that in the, in the same part. Like people come, hey, there's this movie, Hangover, great movie. But these weren't household names. They, 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 by that stage, when they weren't household names, well, I don't think so, at the time of when Hangover came out. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I, I think Bradley Cooper, I don't think he had a starring role in a movie yet. He definitely no. hadn't had any of his Oscar nomination. Ed Helms had been a bit player on The Office. He yeah. wasn't even like, you know, a main star. He would later become that because of the success of The Hangover. Uh, same thing with Zach Galifianakis. I mean, yeah. nobody really knew him until that movie and then he exploded. Yeah. And also an R-rated movie. So maybe the secret is you make a good R-rated comedy and more people are going to see it than if it's PG. These ratings must be different. I mean, all these <laughs> movies are rated. I mean, the only R-rated movies that we have, I mean, I think Rambo, the, the Rambo, the third Rambo movie, that was like R-rated. The, we didn't have a lot it's, of R-rated movies. You know what it is? It, I, I think we talked about this before here. Um, in America, rated R means if you're under 18, you can go, but you just have to be with somebody over 18. Ah, in Canada, true. and it's probably similar in Australia, a rated R movie means no matter what, you're not getting in if, unless you're no, over 18. Yeah. 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 So an extreme movie, like a Saw movie might be rated R here. But uh, that's why I think we had like the 14 A's. But even still, like our equivalent of that, if you're you know over 14, you can get in by yourself, which obviously mm. means more uh, possibilities. But uh, yeah. Um, Critically, this movie was a big hit as well. Uh, 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, just briefly looking at the two big critics of the time, Siskel and Ebert. Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars. Uh, he said, it flies in the face of manners, values of political correctness and decorum. It exposes us for what we are, the only animal with a sense of humor. Uh, Gene Siskel ranked it number nine on his top 10 movies of 1998. The most, uh, what would be the word here? Uh, respected. Uh, esteemed movie critic of the time, the only movie critic who was a household name, ranked in his top 10 best films of the year. Uh, but in the end, it would get Golden Globe nomination for Cameron Diaz. There was some Oscar talk for her and Matt Dillon. This movie, I don't care that it's a comedy. I mean, this this could have gotten a screenplay nomination. It could have gotten an editing nomination. It could have gotten a director's nomination. I, mean, I would definitely say all three of the lead actors, if you're going to consider comedies, I mean, these are some of the best performances in comedies of all time. Oh, absolutely and, and one thing too like even just the ending with the credits i mean the build me up buttercup yeah. song like that that's uh, that's even that itself like whenever i hear that song today i immediately think of the closing yeah. credits of of something about mary like that's that's how big this movie is. we talk about we, we, we can throw all the numbers out you want with with how much it grossed and budgets and all that but but that's how big the movie if you can hear a song and you remember its closing credits i mean that says a lot for the movie mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I also like that sometimes you'll get bloopers in the cr- closing credits. This one, they planned it. All these scenes, they would have all the extras doing this. So from the beginning, they said, we yeah. want to have Build Me Up Buttercup. And guaranteed, <laughs> every scene they filmed, like, all right, everybody on set, you got to do Build Me Up Buttercup. Like, how how sick would Ben Stiller have gotten to this, the guy who is in every scene of the movie? He's, he probably, to this day, can't listen to this song, <laughs> I'm guessing. Oh, yeah, oh, I can I only imagine that. I can't believe, can I just say, I can't believe you guys have never covered this movie on the Oz Network before. How was I so lucky that the yeah. the, the guest, guest host <laughs> month that I get to do this movie? You know, it's crazy. Sometimes we just realize we haven't covered a lot of things. Like we have done multiple movies from actors who were like, we're not even a fan of this actor. And then we're like, we have never done a Jim Carrey movie, which is yeah. true. I don't know how we've never done a Jim Carrey movie. Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura, none of it. Uh, so sometimes things just slip through the cracks, but uh, yeah. We, we finally got it here. Uh, and on the 23rd anniversary, that's that's why we decided to do it now, because of that famous 23rd anniversary. Uh, now, bad reviews. Uh, this is something we do here where we look up a one-star review from IMDb users so we could uh, see how stupid they are. I love this person's name. The person's name is Dorktron. Uh, wrote, 
in August 3rd, 1999, a year later, one-star review, Am I Missing Something? Uh, just sort of summarizing it here. Something about Mary is a worthless movie. The comedy is so dumb and that it's annoying to view. I laugh maybe once or twice during the movie. Look, Ben Stiller has spoos on his ear. If only seeing someone uh, something as gross and as disturbing as this were entertaining to me. One out of ten. Too bad the rating can't go lower. This one was supposed to be a comedy, but it failed. Why couldn't those two director brothers do something as well as they did with Dumb and Dumber? I fear the sequel to Something About Mary with the audience that first one drew in. Uh, well, there was no sequel, but Dorktron lived up to his name. I, one star, what, only laughing once or twice? Come on. What would have been funny about that is if the, that guy's name, the, the, his handle was actually like Dr. Zipface, where he's, yeah, actually yeah. Like, <laughs> he's, actually, he's actually bagging it, but at the same time, he's in on the joke. The yeah, Dr. exactly. <laughs> Uh, plot keywords here. Uh, these are fun, especially for some of us. Sometimes we do these and we're like, oh, this is a disappointment. So whole idea here, if nobody's ever listened, is that uh, we're looking for a month we can dedicate. We're doing guest host month right now. Maybe based on the plot keywords, we can one day do ejaculation month here on the Oz Network, where according to IMDb, we would be talking about love, generation, a Serbian film, and long shot. This is not what I expected from ejaculation month. Maybe long shot, but... I've never heard is, of these other is, ones. Is Harold and Maud in ejaculation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there's penis cotton zipper month. I'm curious if Harold and Maud's in that. Might bump it up. Uh, oh, big surprise. Gosh. Something about Mary, number one. Turkish Delight. Some movie from 1973, number two. Turkish, Turkey Shoot. There's a lot of Turkish and Turkey stuff in here. Uh, number three. And Mouth to Mouth, a comedy from 1995. Uh, so I guess Something About Mary is the only famous one. Uh, anything else good here? Mistaken for Gay Month. Um, ben Waterworth is uh, on the podcast version of that. Um, <laughs> American Beauty. Uh, do we have anything good here? Uh, Sexuality Month. Um, Dodge Durango Month. All right, this I'm just curious before we move on here. Dodge Durango Month. We could be talking about two movies. There's some about Mary and Bobby Zed. Don't know what it's got. Paul Walker in it. Oh boy uh all right strike out maybe if we made our own ejaculation month no that sounded wrong uh, <laughs> if we can come up with our own list of movies for ejaculation let's just stop saying ejaculation how about that yeah oh shit how, how good one star is this guy kidding himself i'm yeah. still thinking about this one yeah you know we, we do this every week unless we do a bad movie then we're gonna look for the the, the 10 star reviews because those are equally as funny um i'm trying to think if we're missing anything out here oh yeah ratings we got to rate this movie uh so i'm I'm pretty sure that you're buying this but you want to just confirm it not only will i buy this movie i'm buying the uncut the the director's cut now (laughs) so put me down for two colin i'm buying two two copies we're gonna have four buys on this because i'm buying it too and uh i already do as i said i've got the director's cut in my cart still i am going to be purchasing it is this the first for the Ellis Network? Like, have you ever had like four buyers where like the two hosts are actually buying two copies of the movie at the end of it? Yeah, uh, if we have, we certainly haven't had it where they're buying two copies of yeah. one version they haven't seen yet. <laughs> so that's the best part. <laughs> so we're gonna double our buys with only one viewing here, which is amazing. Ah, oh, so good. there we go there's something about mary now next week uh matt will not be joining us but we will mention matt will be coming back uh in the near future but next week we're gonna wrap up uh our abbreviated guest host month here with amazing race canada contestant one of the most popular amazing race contestants in any country people who aren't even from canada love martina seo 
amazing, hilarious, been on the show multiple times before. I can tell you right now, the off-air stuff from before we record with her is funnier than anything we've had on the show with her. So I'm excited for an episode where we can go a little bit longer. Uh, I'm going to take a wild guess. You've probably never seen the Amazing Race Canon and not familiar with Martina. I'm not, actually. I'm not. I, I, I sort of do know that uh, Martina does a bit of stuff on the Oz Network. But, um, but yeah, no, I'm not. I, I do love the Amazing Race, actually, but not obviously I don't watch the Canadian version. Yeah, the, the, just if people want to check it out, if anybody is unfamiliar with Martina, uh, the Amazing Race Canada, she was on season six, the Heroes Edition, where she was on with her brother. And she's the least likely person to be on a show like the Amazing Race, which is what made it so funny, because the way she responds to things that uh, complaining about not liking exercises and would rather be sewing, uh, it, it's great. Uh, but yeah, Martina, always good for laughs. And her pick was Glass, uh, which is the, mm-hmm. I, well, let's call it a quasi sequel to both Unbreakable and uh split that was the other one uh which is an absolutely crazy movie that uh uh, when it came out i think it was only last year or the year before uh we were this close to recording a review for it because i was so excited about this movie and fortunately because the person i was going to record a review with was my wife jamie and she always tells me nah i'm too lazy uh we just never end up recording so uh but split's going to be crazy we're going to do that next week and uh Matt, why don't I let you kind of introduce what we're going to be doing with you uh, just not too far down the road here, because you're going to be back for an entire month of movie recaps. Well, absolutely. That's if you'll have me after this. Hopefully you will. But, um, <laughs> hopefully this has gone pretty well. But uh, but you look, I mentioned it before. I'm a big Van Damme fan. Absolute love Van Damme. Grew up with him, seen all his movies. So we got talking and um, when we were discussing about what, what movie we we're going to do, I was keen, well, keen for to, to do some Van Dam, and then uh, and then we thought, you know what? Why not do a whole month of mm-hmm. Van Damage Month? Van yeah. Damage Month, as I like to call it. And and of course, Colin, I found out you're a bit of a Van Dam fan too. So maybe mm-hmm. if you're going to have me back, I'm keen to definitely do a bit of Wham Bam Van Dam Month. <laughs> we, we're going to have multiple names for this month. It's Van Dam Month, Van Damage, Wham Bam Van Dam Month. <laughs> Oh, how, how many more can we come up with in a month? How good is the muscles from Brussels? Though, like this guy, I've been watching this guy for what thirty years. How oh, good is yeah. he? And, and you know, here's another exciting thing. Uh, my wife Jamie is a big fan of it. Even with the mullet, she's a big fan of his. So we might be talking about a mullet coming up. But oh, look, one of the great can't do- action stars of the nineties. You can't do Van Damage Month without doing Hard Target. So let, yeah. let's just. Like, I mean, that's pretty obvious. We're going to cover Hard Target, but. There might be a couple of surprises in there too. So let's oh, yeah. wait and see what happens. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll tease those once we're getting closer to that. Uh, as always, I'm not going to give all the tags because now you can listen to Ben give all the tags at the end of this uh, recap here. Uh, he's taken half the work out of uh, my closing here. Uh, but uh, be tuned to stay tuned next week. Matt, anything you want to plug before we leave here? I know you have another show, um, which some of our listeners may be familiar with it, even though it's no new episodes at the moment, you can plug it and tell people where they could find all the, the back catalog. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously Ben Waterworth and I, uh, we co-host the Australian survivor archives or any survivor fans out there. If they want to know a bit of history about Australian survivor, we, we cover the very early seasons all the way back from, from 2002. And, and, and we plenty of good interviews there. If you're a survivor fan, we, We've got our Facebook page, our Instagram page. So definitely check it out. And we're always um, putting out new episodes. We're on a little bit of a break at the moment, but we'll be back stronger than ever. And uh, yeah, plenty of good content on there for any Survivor fans. Soon we've got other episodes coming out. We're still trying to get the Justice League episode out there for the Snyder Cut. Uh, Also 24 interviews. We're this close. Ben and I are starting 24 month next month. 
We're going to be covering the Kiefer Sutherland 24 series from the beginning, uh, which will start next month. But in the lead up this entire month here, we got interviews with all the cast members and everything. And there's some great ones in there. Uh, people you're going to know from stuff outside of 24 as well. So stay tuned for those when they do drop. Uh, thank you for joining us. My name is Colin. And have you seen my wiener? My name's Matt Dyson. And um, since you're a real sicko, Colin, you stalker. Thanks for downloading this episode from the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as find out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.